0: We're dedicating a shout-out to our mates at CALM. That's the Campaign Against Living Miserably, a charity dedicated to preventing male suicide.
1: It's tragic that suicide is the single biggest killer of men under the age of 45. But it's also avoidable. So if you're having a rough time, CALM's helpline and web chat are open 5 till midnight every single day. Find them at thecalmzone.net. Or you can call them from 5 p.m. until midnight, 365 days of the year, on 0800
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) And welcome to the Nerdy Boxing Podcast with me, Andy White. And with me today, we have Martin Theobald. Yup. And Terry Chapadama.
1: They didn't expect it. A surprise guest. El Pero, El Pero. He made it. Mi and appropriately, gato, a fan gato, has turned el gato, up. El Gato no es bueno. Si Landro es my. Ah, f- oh, mate, you're ruining me today oh sorry <laughs> i
0: didn't know he was going to go into a spanish rap Otherwise... listen
1: cilantro is a great song I you, you, you're, about. you're clearly not an american dad fan no uh well i am but i don't remember this song so cilantro clean, come on big and enough fan no nah, when he was roy rogers mcfreeley when he was remember when he was the mayor and he put the fire hydrant in front of stan's house oh man i haven't seen this episode. You're, you're, to see his episode you're, you're you're not a fan okay that's, that's probably fair. I'm not a fan.
0: I'm looking forward to seeing how you go for a wee later on. There's going to be a lot of clunking and shuffling and... It's pay-per-view. <laughs> As Martin moves his chair just in the swing of the door. No,
1: I realised I wasn't looking at you two. Right. Right? I was looking away when I was going to talk. <laughs> so I didn't like that. I didn't like that. Um, how was your weekend? It's all right. Uh, my cat killed a rabbit. No, I got a rabbit last weekend. Right and then uh, my son comes out to me Oscar and he says dad there's a oh dead God. rabbit in the garden And I'm like there is a dead rabbit does I'm he like, not
0: know about the, the rabbit you got no he
1: knows we've got a rabbit he's like dad there's a dead rabbit in the garden and I'm like what the fuck and he went it's not ours I'm like that's even weirder. Like, yeah. At least if it was ours, I knew where this rabbit had been killed. You'd expect and... to come out and see
0: in a black and white jumper with a swag bag. <laughs>
1: to... No, so our cats had like gone and found a wild rabbit. It's like almost a warning shot to what? our new rabbit. They've killed this rabbit and left him in our garden. Kidnapped him from the woods and brought him home. Yeah. And executed him in front of the
0: rabbit. Don't you come out your hutch, son. Yeah, so we it's almost like, it. look, we, we know you. we're
1: not allowed to touch you because you're like a pet. However, just be aware, we can kill rabbits, so don't fuck us off. And so I've had to then stand there Googling, what do you do with a pet rabbit? Like, a dead rabbit? Because I don't know, I'm not an expert on... Skin it and eat it. Yeah, well, I'm not really up for that lifestyle, to be honest. Um, You know, you get like Nandrolone doing that. but
0: (laughs) um, You don't want to test positive because I had contaminated rabbit meat from the cats in my garden. So I ended
1: up... I got my wife to hold the bin bag open. And we put a rabbit into a bin bag, and then I went down the dump, and I've left. How a dignified! <laughs> I've, left a, I've left a rabbit in the dump. What a dignified way to go. So, apologies if you work at Newport Pagnell um, dump, but i would left rabbit a dead rabbit in a center. bag.
0: I imagine you'll be turned to a new rabbit by now, mate. They're
1: pretty efficient. <laughs> <laughs> They're just is that only rabbits get made? Like, yep. Probably. Uh, yeah, so yeah, rabbit recycling. Highlight center. of my weekend was disposing of a dead rabbit.
0: Okay, that sounds exciting. Have you got anything to top that, Terry?
1: Nah, um, had things come up, so I sucked off going to France. Thank God for that. Imagine if I'd wasted money to go and watch that Dave Allen fight. Like those two Welsh birds, Tabs and Terry Ann, who, who must have blown the best part of a grand because they did it last minute. <laughs> that
0: is uh, quite an evil laugh, Terry. Oh, mate. Choking on your own crapulence. Oh, wow. So Classic. You, you, that
1: was quite evil,
0: but you didn't, you didn't go, because why?
1: Nah, it's just th- things came up. As diplomatic as I can be about that, things came up. You go through oh, the right things sometimes. But, good weekend regardless. Sort of potted about with some friends in the daytime. Had a nice leisurely walk through London home, and then sat down and watched the boxing. Some was you know, good, bad, and ugly, I guess. And then watch England put those little Panamanians to the sword. These slugs. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, that, I, I, just, that, I I just find it ironic that there's a load of England fans going absolutely ape shit in pubs across the country, so it's like in Panama, where all the Charlie they've snorted has probably come from. <laughs> you have know, someone told me, hey, wait, wait, you know what that stuff you're sniffing is from Panama? Ah, oh, fuck! Should have kept them in the World Cup. Could have got a discount. They all need to get home and start growing it again, did not they? <laughs> <laughs> oh, however you make it, I'm not really sure what the, the production line of it is. Oh, but... mate! If
0: you ever, if and this goes for anyone listening as well, if you ever want to be uh, if it's anything you've ever considered and you ever want to be put off it <laughs> go and see how it's made i've seen like and a video they start, once they the, so things like concrete and shit into yeah it. they I, well things that i know they use in it are um and i don't I'm saying that i know ammonia gets used in its production of oh, what right. and cocaine nice. and and versions of if not like literally from a pump gasoline in order to to to, to Break it up and do something. Do they use dead rabbits?
1: Because I could have sold them one.
0: No, that... Oh, yeah. You, oh, you missed out on that. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you use a rabbit's foot... fact, you should have come in with a rabbit's foot around your neck today. Lucky rabbit's foot. Is it? Yeah. You could have just got a hacksaw. <laughs> Mike, what are you doing with that rabbit? With its whole body in a vice whilst you're hacking its foot off. <laughs> I'm trying to get lucky. <laughs> um,
1: that never happened, just to clarify. No. I did not abuse a dead rabbit. No, you just stuck it in a bin bag and took it down the tip. Because <laughs> you wouldn't be a monster. It was gonna go in my green bin. You know the ones where you put yeah, all your I like.
0: Think, isn't that the no?
1: Well, I wasn't sure. I thought you I don't, don't want to, I don't want, don't want to return my green <laughs> bin with a dead rabbit in You've
0: it. Some blue label around his neck. Please go to the re- yeah, please like, take oh, the refuge say. then. So now. yeah.
1: Refuge? Refuse.
0: Right, I suppose we better talk about boxing, really. Although, I will uh just say in uh so I was in Detroit last week, hence the reason we didn't do a uh, boxing podca- uh, podcast, I should say. And uh,
1: in so, Detroit... So, someone could have taken a laptop with them, just saying. As as you, well, and both Actually, of you... Actually, shit, I was statement. away last week. Well, as was well, I. Yeah, yeah why, am I, why am I slacking you off? I was out um, in the wilds of Czechoslovakia. I'm, I'm still going to call it that. It's firing off Mossbergs and shit. It was nice.
0: Okay, that sounds like a more interesting story than this weekend. So have you got...
1: No, it was a stag do. Um, that does sound
0: like a more interesting
1: story. I, I, do you know what? All, all I'm going to say, and I know people listen to this, I'm going to get a hard time. There's nothing better than being with a bunch of guys from South London and everyone's talking tough about what they're going to do at the gun range, right? Because it's a South London thing. Yeah, I know about the gun life, whatever. Everyone talked tough. A lot of people failed to deliver when the pressure was on. <laughs> Some guys froze under pressure. So what I'm going to say, me, nah. I I out every time. Mm, firing bullets
0: through the same hole
1: not not <laughs> story of my life but no no, no <laughs> pro- probably probably not that good because I was rusty as fuck but once I got my eye in especially with the with the AK I could have been a child soldier that's all I can say well you're not a child so you couldn't have been but well, listen man I identify as a child you that's all that matters you could, now you could
0: be fucking a yeah. child soldier <laughs> I could have been a fucking all right as I said all right
1: mate oh. you okay <laughs> Is that why you went to Detroit looking for, I mean, I think Martika saying toy soldiers, not child soldiers, <laughs> but okay. Um, was it Martika? I think it was. That was Detroit anyway. Good. It was, it was really good. Yeah. I mean, it was nice to
0: catch up with Sam, but that's by the by. You listen, yeah. don't want to listen to that.
1: What about, what, but, what about, what, about, what about, you know, do you, cause obviously there was some loose sense last time you were in Detroit.
0: Um, no, I tied those up. That was fine. Okay. Um, then uh, the, in central Detroit, there's a Joe Lewis sculpture. Yeah. Which is really cool. It's, it's like, the
1: only thing in central Detroit, apparently. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a bit better. Yeah, I, I mean <laughs> And a load of Ford factories that have just shut down. Yeah, it's actually, and M and
0: M. They've invested quite a lot in, this, in the actual sort of central business area. That's quite cool. But it's a it's a the sculpture to try and describe it, it's a clenched fist up to about mid forearm and yeah, made out of what I think is bronze and it's suspended from sort of like two triangular shaped uh, I don't know uh, su- supports with wires, uh, That's what it looks like. I mean, maybe they're or maybe it's sort of the rigid poles, but it looks so cool. It's it's really decent statue. I think I'm going to get like a portrait
1: of it or something. It's really cool. But to like the American Bradford, isn't it?
0: Uh, I think I think it's got an unfair reputation because it because at one point the city went bankrupt and couldn't pay its own police force and stuff like that. It obviously was going through some hard times, but they've invested a lot into it now, and it's. Uh, I mean, actually, I don't really know what the reference to Bradford is supposed to be, so maybe it is. I don't yeah. know. But. No,
1: no, it's a reasonably big industrial city that went tits up, and it's probably massively undervalued compared to its intrinsic value. Oh, it's okay, so, yeah.
0: Them. And what was cool yeah. is, that for the first time, I saw steam coming out of the sewers. You know what you see in yeah, American yeah. films? I was like, what the hell? And you... I went over one of them, I touched the manhole cover, and it was red hot. I was like, what the fuck are they doing under there?
1: It's just lava pits that you shit into. Isn't it? Oh, on a serious question, did you bump into Axel Foley when you are out there? No, I didn't actually, no. Did you get in any rap battles?
0: N- uh, no. I mean, I
1: tried, but... I was but just no one was up my. for it. No. They've heard of Twisted Echo, <laughs> the number one band out of Milton Keynes. <laughs> they knew not to try their luck. Rap battles, yeah. <laughs> Walking down
0: the street, hey, you! Oh, no, I'm going to get mugged. Yo, 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 and then the beat starts coming in. <laughs> um, right, I guess we, sh- we should really talk about boxing. We're 10 minutes in and we haven't even mentioned Sorry. boxing yet. Soz. First logical place to start, I guess, is the O2 card. So says <sighs> the roughly drawn scripted agenda that I have down in front of me. Fair enough, really look. It's yet.
1: rare that Frank Warren does a, a fully sold out show, packed out Fuck event. <laughs> <hell>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah? It is very rare, and yeah, last night legit. wasn't one of those occasions. <laughs> look, I heard it was completely sold out. Yeah, I mean, they just there must have been travel issues, or look, look, you know, we. What's the rule? If you sell all the tickets, it doesn't matter who shows up. Yeah, I'm sure it was sold out. I mean, it was. It's just unfortunate only a third of the people bothered to turn up. Um, Right,
0: now we've, like, can we just, like, instead of using subtext for the entire podcast, (laughs) let's talk about actual
1: things that actually happened. Umar Sadiq got his TV debut. Umar, who was on here last time around. I Um, I feel his appearance on the podcast unleashed the inner beast in him. That's why BT wanted him on. Yeah, was, they heard that. And they, they were like, boosted his profile. Make a what statement, Make an absolute statement. <laughs> I'm not saying we're definitely to, you know, to credit for Umar getting on TV, but a large amount it. of it. Yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, look. <laughs> at, at the risk of sounding like I'm just banging the drum for my mates, which we you do. You never do that, mate. You saw in that performance a massive step up from fight two to fight three, in my opinion. And we can say what we want about the opponent and how gamey he was, but we all understand the first five to eight fights are like that. And it's about what you actually do with the guy in front of you. The fact that he stopped him in the third round and to be fair, he was lucky he survived the second round. So I thought Umar boxed really, really well. Uh, Go back to what he was saying on the podcast where he said he wanted to give people a performance in the second fight. And that's why it looked a bit wild and there's a lot of swinging happening. I think this time he boxed and he stayed composed and he actually... He boxed in the way that he lives, feels, and breathes, which was good. So it was nice to see that. If you notice, everything was long. There was a bit of elegance to it. There was movement. He was denying him thinking time. He was denying him space. Um, The only thing I would have pulled him up on was when you're as tall as Umar is, you know, throwing hooks and so forth, especially lead hooks, There's no real value in that. I wish he had thrown probably the uppercut more and just kept control of the middle. I think he probably would have taken him out sooner with a few more uppercuts up the middle, especially when you've got those long arms. And we want to touch on this with Tony Oka coming up later on. But when you've got disproportionately long arms, which a lot of good boxers have, so relative to their height, their reach is quite long, you want to see guys managing the distance with the jab, coming up the middle with the uppercut and securing the control and the dominance in the middle. So the opponent now knows the only way to attack is to start to move laterally, and most people struggle to do that. So you make it uncomfortable. <clears throat> and I think if Umar had done that, that might have been a first or second round stoppage. But I think that's probably all to come. And when he fights better opponents, we should see more of that. But the hook to the body was working. What? You're saying about the hooks, seeing less from the left hook to the body. I think it probably landed nine times out of 10 that he threw it uh, and was the finishing shot as well, but really good performance. He was um, just, I think composed is probably the best, the best description of it. Um, it. You know, he's calling for the bigger fights. He was on here calling for the bigger fights, the Daryl Williams fights. Uh, I think he needs, I mean, if nothing else, he needs for the process. When I say the process, I mean the board process. Uh, to go through like an eight rounder before you'll we'll get into those English title shots. Um, but I think, I know he wants to do it in a fast track way. I don't know what his agreement is with Frank Warren over, um, you know, how often he can box, and all those kind, uh, kinds of things. But I'd like to see him get to eight and O before we start seeing him in for titles. Because I think he needs to uh, experience some variety of opponents. Because that opponent had nothing really. He was outclassed completely. Um, And so he needs something to start coming back in. him. But who's the Southern Area champion at Super Mid? I Render. He's fighting September, right? Yep. But that's not, I don't think that's a Southern Area title fight. No, he's fighting a Northern guy. Stephanie <coughs> L- Bullfire. L- Luke someone. I was going to say Luke Rockhold. It's not Luke Rockhold. It's Luke somebody. But I think you're looking at that and you're like, you know, Southern Area levels, the Alan Higgins level you could probably take that sort of Alan Higgins fight now. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I think the next logical fight's is a Danny Dignam fight. I don't see there's any barriers to making that happen now that Danny's with MTK. Put those two guys in. They're from the same generation, amateur-wise, about the same level of experience in my eyes as well. So I'd quite like to see those two go at it. So, you know... Instead of having all these prospects floating around and everyone's trying to convince you they're the best, just let these guys fight each other. It won't happen, will it? Let's be realistic. It won't happen. Uh, it won't. If I had a million pounds, I'd put every penny of it onto the fact that fight won't happen next. Let's see. Because Warren has a reputation for putting you in with suckers repeatedly, which is disappointing. But if you're going to have all these tie-ups with MTK and if... But Dignum's tied to Hearn. No. No, he's he's now MTK. Yeah, management and promotional. Okay, I was surprised, by that. I had to I had to read I had to read that oh, statement. Yeah, oh, yeah. I suppose Hearn only has people on a fight by fight basis, which a lot of people don't realize is that Eddie Hearn fighters, most of them, aren't with Matchroom. They're signed to fight by fight contracts, yes. and the most oh, you normally yeah. get is like three. Yeah. If you're any good, you'll get a three fights. Lewis Ritson yeah. got a five one, I think, recently. Yeah, so he had a three, if you remember, and all yeah. three were British title defences, Yeah. and then they moved him into the five. But I think he got that as part of an options contract, whereby yeah. if you beat... It was Robbie Barrett, yeah. wasn't it? If you beat Robbie Barrett, then we get you for three fights. Yeah. I think that was the case.
0: Um, Just a quick one on the questions today. might have put out a message earlier on Twitter to say, give us your questions. But yeah, that apologies. Was, that was on the basis that we weren't going to have Terry and... You know, truth be told, everyone would prefer to have Terry than a bunch of questions. Yeah, I had a lot of
1: haters on there, and they're all piping up, aren't they? Terry does my heading and all this sort of stuff. In that case, I, Terry,
0: I, I'm just going to ask the questions. If yeah, you could just be quiet, it. then.
1: Who <laughs> um, was the one that copied you in and went Terry? I don't always agree yeah. with what Terry says. <laughs> Clearly, didn't recognise it was your Twitter yeah. account. <laughs> yeah, that's a <laughs> mate. I liked that. <laughs> I also liked the fact. Does
0: my heading? <laughs> the, um, yeah. so yeah so I'm not going to read out all the questions although having gone through some of them I quite like some of them so I will ask you yeah go for it one of them being um, from JD Evans 14 will Box Nation still be around in 2019
1: yes absolutely they will so we predicted on the last podcast Box Nation I predicted so we gives you a lot credit that you don't deserve uh, right. I'm not giving you undue credit part of the team yeah, yeah. Probably came from something I said anyway. <laughs> There's an INT Martin, all right? It's fuck off. Um, I predicted MTK would become the domestic broadcast arm of Box Nation, while the Frank Warren fighters, the better end of it, went off to BT. Sure enough, that came to, uh, to fruition. I think Sam O'Reilly said it first. Just putting it out there. I got
0: that. True, uh, that it was true. Definitely true. 100% I have a feeling slash it was
1: definitely true. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So, uh, MTK have taken on a 12 fight per year deal with Box Nation. that Their shows will be broadcast on the channel. I don't know what that means for where they've been doing the streaming. Cause they've only been streaming the London shows, I think. Um, or the Brentwood Center ones. So they take on this twelve fight or twelve show per year deal. Um it depends what you listen to, it depends which rumors you want to believe. Some rumors say that MTK have had um an element of or been funding some of Box Nation for a number of years. Some rumors. Um I can't comment on any matters MTK related. Everything they do is above board, I more than fair happy. press with how they behave and I'm more than willing to work with MTK in any way, shape or form I can. Silly are great brand, It's not you know. opposite day today. <laughs> <laughs> the opposite day was June 23rd.
0: <laughs> uh, okay, so we... Um, so just to reiterate well, that point... A good American dad memory. There's, there's uh, a lot of questions and I won't get through all
1: of them. Have I? So yes, Box Nation will be around next year I fully believe. Because I think MTK will be able to help... Keep it afloat with their shows. Uh,
0: Kevin Morrow asks. Moving on, Daniel Dubois looked loads better last night. Is this is this due to him coming down uh, to a lighter weight? And could other heavyweights take a lead out of his book?
1: No, look, how I, I think for two years solid now. Right, we've talked about Daniel Dubois, and if you remember what I said before, I said the kid can box. And I said, the reason I'm confident is that he had boxed up the weight. So he had boxed from a 13-year-old that was 48 kilos as a 13-year-old to where he's, what, 104, 105 kilos now? So the punches he sees coming now don't bother him because when they were down there and they were throwing 100 punches around as a bunch of kids, he was still able to cope then. So all you're seeing with Daniel did was him maturing. And actually, as he gets more confident with the process of being a pro, he can do all the stuff that we know he can do. So you're seeing a lot more of that now. He's never been a seek-and-destroy type of boxer because, number one, he's always been the boy in a world of men. So he never had that luxury of being able to overpower people. And people... Was, go back to the build-up. People just saw Dubar or Steamroller into Tom Little and all Tom Little do will just play the matador and make him look stupid based on that clip of sparring that Tom Little put up. But Daniel's far smarter than that. You don't, you don't get to GB and you don't become their project for 2020, which is what Daniel originally was, if you can't box. So the lad can box. Him being down in weight, I think, is just discipline. And if you notice, he's still a bit fleshy and a bit watery at that weight, which tells you deep down, he hasn't quite filled into his heavyweight body yet. So just imagine what's going to happen when he hardens up about 23, 24. What is the optimum age for heavyweight? And does it differ throughout the weights then? Does it? It it differs. So look at Tyson. Tyson was a high energy and incredibly physical style. And what I mean by that is it's really hard on the body. So Tyson had a short career. Tyson's peak was probably tail end of 85 to the tail end of 89. And he was at that point, how old? 85 to 89. (laughs) Really old. (laughs) No, so he would have been. So he's very different. He would have peaked at 24. But by 24, Mike had had like probably 40 bouts by the age of 24.
0: Oh, he was a world champion at 21? 20. 20, right.
1: Yeah, so he'd already had 40 bouts by then. And then if you go back to his amateurs, he was fighting regularly. So he had that really high physical style which meant you had to fight regularly. But then you've got guys like Lennox Lewis. And Lennox could have gone on until he was 45. Vitaly could have gone on until he was 45. Completely different styles where theirs is more considered. It's all behind the jab and it's about distance and taking no more punishment than you need to. It's so a
0: logical step then to ask yeah. is when will Triple D step into
1: get what? When will he reach his peak? He's a tweener though. He's kind of between the styles where he can be high octane and he can be considered depending on who he's fighting. But I reckon we'll see the best of Daniel Dubois in about three or four years' time.
0: Okay, um, have we? Sorry, I, I hope I haven't stepped over it. But have we got anything more to say about Umar Sadiq's fight?
1: Um, no, look, just happy for the guy. Like, the, he needed to be seen on TV. I wish he'd been seen by more people in the arena, but onwards and upwards for Uma. Okay, magic.
0: Um, anything more to say about Dubois versus Little?
1: Um, no, there was a comment by Frank Warren after. I think there's a question, so we've got loads of questions. Apologies, because Andy's going to have to try and keep up with them. Um, if you can give me uh, a hint he talks as to about, what he says, he talks, I'll look for it. Uh, Nathan Gorman, um... Daniel Dubois and Frank Warren kind of hinted afterwards, almost said, "Like eighteen months time, these two will fight." Um, I think uh, you found the question. Yeah. So
0: Stephen Mark asks, "Is Gorman Dubois going to turn everyone into another? Uh, he's going to turn it into another Carnbrook. Everyone wants to fight now, but Warren lets it build." End quotes. Uh, Is there a good chance it won't happen? It doesn't yeah.
1: need to. Whatever we saw with Nathan Gorman, great. But they're on different tracks.
0: I I would say it's very different to Khan Brook. Why are they on on
1: different tracks? I I disagree with this. I I would say Gorman will do well to win a British and compete for a European. I think Dubois will do well in his career fighting for world titles. I, I just think they're on different tracks. But that's fine. But they're two lads that could both make money out of it in 12 months' time. I, I don't necessarily disagree with where you are saying that they could get to in their careers, but the biggest money fight in 12 months' time, unless you throw in the likes of Joe Joyce as well, is that they fight one another. Okay, but then I would break it down. I don't think, and I like Nathan Gorman. I don't think Nathan Gorman is a talent on the magnitude of a Dubois or a Joyce. I think we do, and, and so this is, this is why I say that they're on different tracks. I think Gorman's still got to go through guys like like a Tom Little, for example. He's still got to go through guys like a Nick Webb, right? And if he beat a guy like Nick Webb, we'd be talking about Nathan the way we're talking about Daniel now. But with Daniel, you're like, you'd put him in with Huey Fury now. But is Sean Turner any better or any worse than Tom Little? He's probably the same level. They've both beaten opponents of the same level. Mm, But in terms of what they bring, so Tom will offer a different tactical challenge, and I'm not going to say the styles all wrong for Gorman, but what you've got with Tom is you've got a mover, like they said in the Dubois fight, you've got a mover and a guy who can actually box. Turner just strikes me as a really tough man yeah, yeah. who who sticks around and actually wins by perseverance over any boxing now. So I think that, that's the difference. So when you put uh, Gorman in with guys that can box, we'll see a different level to him. But there's still three. I think if you if you measure them in fights, I think Dubois is two or three fights ahead at the moment. So the only way I could have a conversation about that fight is if Gorman fights the Nick Webb next. Then I am like, okay, put them in together. Yeah, no, just let them fight. Like, we've got so many talents domestically in so many weight divisions that aren't fighting one another, and you get it's a very easy way for people not to gain an interest in the sport is if you just let the best people not fight one another. It brings eyes to the sport if you can say, you know, like the the Chamberlain Akoli stuff. That's brilliant. The promotion to it, the build up to it. The but, fight itself was turging. But but they were bang on in the same place. And you could see that where you're like, here's a guy Lawrence that did a load in the amateurs. Here's a guy that while Lawrence was doing this, he was doing that in the pros. Put them together. Whereas you got Gorman here and you say, well, what, did, what did Gorman do in the amateurs? Really good junior. Really, really good junior. What did Dubon do in the amateurs? Ran over everybody just ran over everybody they're light years ahead GB had him banked as their guy to bring home a gold medal in the pros Dubois pulls ahead now Gorman's chugging along and maybe Gorman's taking it seriously now because if you go up to Manchester there were stories that he wasn't quite the athlete he should have been and as such what you're seeing now is Maybe the, the maturation. He's becoming more mature. So let's give Nathan two or three fights, see where he is, then let's talk about Dubois. So but right it, now, they're not at the same level. With
0: Dubois, if you had to pick his next three fights, who would you be lining up for him?
1: Um, I think I've said it on the podcast before, expect someone to be throwing Nick Webb's name into this very soon for that English title. I would have no issues if Huey Fury vacated. Whack him in the mix for that. Um He's still not able to fight for it until September, is he? He's not old enough. Yeah. <laughs> and then also, you know, don't 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 don't, don't disregard Andy Yard in the mix as well.
0: <laughs> uh, well I'll, I'll leave it to sit there. Um, Oliver McManus asks, "How much money is it reasonable to ask to face De I ask because obviously Webb has asked for a hundred thousand, and then DL Jones got roughly fifteen grand. So, what is a reasonable price?
1: Who was asking that? So, uh, Oliver. Oliver McManus. Oh, uh, Oliver does some such good work. Oliver's like constantly on things with boxing. So it uh, seems a really good bloke. I've never met him, but he just, he's always out pushing boxing at all levels. If, if he could come to the live show, it'd be greatly appreciated. <laughs> putting it out there. <laughs> but yeah, no, he's doing stuff at all levels, Oliver. So like, good luck to him with it all. Uh, I don't know what his end goal is, don't know what he's doing, but he just seems like a really like diligent person with what he's doing.
0: Costs of fighting de Bois.
1: <laughs> cost of fight de Bois, right. Um uh, based on costs that I know for fighting other um prospects, heavyweight prospects, I would say you'd be looking somewhere sixteen to twenty grand.
0: Oh really? So a hundred grand is really pricing yourself out of it.
1: A hundred grand <laughs> is ridiculous. The only thing was it Nick Webb that he said had asked yeah. for hundred grand. So Nick Webb. Um, when I'm saying 16 to 20, that's for like opponents that are turning up without too much hope of winning. Nick Webb's turning up to win 50 grand, maybe tops, if you're, if you're Nick Webb. But 100 grand is stupid. But and that's but, a way of ducking. Well, but I think it's more a way of throwing your name into the discussion. Yeah, we're, you're we're, also throwing your name out of the discussion well, you, you, you immediately. Go a, no, you go 100 grand, but now it's like, well, Nick, you're being silly. But what's the realistic price for this fight? Now you're talking about a Webb-Dubois fight at a reasonable price. It's a clever move. It's one of the things I suspected because it's a classic Hearn move where Warren's got Fury and Warren's got Dubois start putting pieces in the way. Dillian White and Tony Bell, you were there to mark Fury. You've got Nick Webb floating around to mark up with Dubois. And if Gorman starts to show any real promise... Don't be surprised if Foucaulti moves up to heavyweight and you start talking about <laughs> Gorman. It wouldn't surprise me. They do, they do like like David used to do, where they'll say to Lawrence right, you know, you've won your European title, you'll vacate it, you're going to fight the heavyweight against Nathan Gorman, you can still boil back down to cruiserweight for a meaningful fight. It wouldn't surprise me if Hearn was thinking in those terms already. To finish off on the Dubois stuff, though, he's 20 years old. Um and when he he's just won the English title last night, which I've seen lads win the English title at York Hall, other places, that like when they get that win, they are so pumped, so like yes. Daniel Dubois wins that English title and sits on the steps having his post-fight interview, and there's just no emotion about him whatsoever. He barely looks like he's been in a fight, but like there's no emotion. He's so controlled, um, like so cold almost. And I think a 20 year old, because don't forget, like, I've not been 20 for a good few years now. Um, But, like, those hormones, those emotions, you're up and down. Like, as 20 year olds, we've all been there where, like, you're a bit. Level headed. (laughs) (laughs) You're all over the place, (laughs) isn't you, at 20 years old? Not Daniel Dubois. Daniel Dubois is just stone cold throughout it. I think that's so impressive that he's just won the English title which for some fighters will be like their dream to achieve. He's done it at 20 years old and I know his dreams are bigger than that. His achievements in time will be bigger than that. So it's just a stepping stone belt for him. Daniel, but, da- Daniel Dubois would spar his grandmother and drop her. <laughs> and I'm not saying that to disrespect his family. I'm saying he's business first. Hunger. He, when he steps through the ropes his attitude is kill or be killed. That that, that That's it. And once it's done, it's done. There's no... There's no Hollywood to it. He's just, he's not really that sort of person. He's, I mean, that, fists do the talking. That's detrimental to him at the moment in terms of building his profile. But hopefully his fighting will do the profile building for him. I've always said they need to get someone who's an absolute dickhead, like a mouthpiece. Uh, I'm trying to think of anyone. Paul Heyman. Anyone within that whole, you know, Warren organisation that's a bit of a dickhead uh, that could be a mouthpiece. I, you nah, know. What he needs, no, you names, no names though. spring to yeah. mind. Well, what um, he needs is Danny Connor. <laughs> Honestly, if he got Danny Connor to bang the drum. Danny Connor's a great talker. Yeah, exactly. That, Danny Connor's the sort of guy, he's got enough credibility in the sport if he was just there doing Dubois talking for him. But he could be brilliant in like that WWF style of like a little mouthpiece between, like, two behemoths of men. Yeah. And, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then just duck behind Daniel every time it kicks (laughs) off. (laughs) But he, he would really benefit from somebody... I've said it before. How intimidating would Dubois be if he didn't talk? If he never spoke... So when you ask him a question, if he just sat there in silence and somebody else had to take the mic, a mouthpiece for him, a manager for him, somebody (laughs) that would do his talking, telling you how good Dubois is, whilst he just stares down the camera at you. That's how Lesnar did it when he first came into the WWF. Like, he didn't talk. He'd just come down to the ring and he'd flex his traps, jump from the ground onto the ring, get in there. And just give you... What was it he gave? He gave you the F5. And that was it. He just walk out again. No no talk. Nothing. But I genuinely want to see that out of Dubois. I don't want to hear... When he opens his, his mouth and he speaks... Like, Not that it loses that fearsomeness. Because I don't want to be next to him when he's punching and talking. Like, that'd <laughs> still be an intimidating thing. But it loses a little bit of something. If he never spoke, just eyeball the camera all the way through it. And let somebody else do the talking for him. He could be... That in itself would be a different type of marketing. I think he could be huge like that.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Would people buy into that? Wouldn't they just get frustrated with Who does he think he is if he's like, it's just uh, like someone sell, else is talking? No, you, get, him.
1: you get equally frustrated hearing him talk because he's got nothing of any interest to say. That's not disrespectful to Daniel, but he doesn't have anything interesting to say because he's not the braggadocious type. He's not talking about, I'm going to win a world title in the next six months. He's not about that at all. He's just very much like, yeah, i just beat a man. Look, the key element of sports marketing, especially in boxing, I think is emotion. And it doesn't matter what emotion you engender in the public as long as there's an emotion. So if people dislike Dubois for saying nothing or if they like him for saying everything, it's it's the same people coming to pay to watch him. And all he needs to do is find a way of engendering that emotional bond with the fans. And, you know, it's. I don't. In twenty eighteen, it's not enough just to beat people up in the ring. There has to be that thing that says, "I'm going to give people a reason to feel something about me." And if you were the only boxer in the world that had a manager who was your mouthpiece, stood next to you, banging the drum for you, that'd be huge. Like I bet you'd see it elsewhere within another six months, twelve months.
0: Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. It has that. I. I get it. Like WWE, for example, that totally makes sense because it has that drama to it. You can see it's almost Hollywood-style fearsomeness, like the mystery of one day eventually hearing him talk and he's like, doors like this. And you're like, wow, that's terrible. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm going to knock you out. Uh,
0: so your, your sort of mind takes over and it, it creates its own sort of fearsomeness. But I just feel like maybe people would... I mean, you, obviously you disagree, Terry. And maybe you're right. But for me, I, I can imagine out. people going oh what is who did you, you say he that is? it's
1: a bit uh, sorry a bit wwe a bit hollywood look at how hearns built matchroom it's all wwe it's all hollywood it's all yeah. it, it's greater than the sum of its parts yeah. it's, it's all bluster it's all bullshit then and, and the pro, and, and like we said before mm. most people know hearns bullshitting them. they do mm. you yeah the wildfire is going to be announced next week we know he's lying right but we still want to hear them. We still want to go through the process of calling him out on his bullshit and being pissed off. That's, and Hearn knows that. That's why he feeds that to the fans because he's like, as long as you care enough to engage with us emotionally, it's working.
0: I saw a tweet the other day that someone had tweeted Eddie Hearn. It was... I, I bloody can't remember what it was. But it was basically just calling him out after he tits, he'd put a post up and this bloke was like, well, it's, well, it's better than you with your... Like um fake beefs that you create and this that and really really call him out on it. And he replied so he must have read the fact that this bloke was just like yeah, well, calling him out for exactly the sort of stuff that he actually
1: He got. reads most of his Twitter from what I understand. He does oh, all really? of it. Yeah. Fair enough. Not nah, mine, but... Yeah. All his responses yeah. are his. Unless he's got you on mute, yeah. he will respond. Or blocked. I nah. Dude, th- that's what I love social media, like I'm rarely blocked. So even Anthony Fowler hasn't blocked me. So congratulations to Anthony Fowler. He's now one of my favourite boxers. I saw really. Anthony Fowler up in Newcastle. Yeah. Did he ask about me? No. Quick hello. Yeah, Chat. Didn't ask about you. Yeah. you, you well, I, I bet you shuffled on real quick, didn't you? No. I've got nothing against Fowler. Yo, mate. Yeah, Yeah, I'm the new age. Hey, new age. You? Blocked on my Twitter feed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Bull sex. Well, let's move on to Yard versus
1: Sec. Oh, do we Genius. have to genius <laughs> fuck about do you know what I look, can't be fucked with Terry's look, fucking uh, <laughs> I'm going to hum throughout this is Terry the mouthpiece for Andy Yard look that... Let's be oh, on. On. he's got a terrible lung capacity mate So just
0: waiting until he has to take his, <laughs> <laughs> his frequent breaths and you can <laughs> fill in the gaps
1: look like I've told people before Yard might be uh, he's a future <laughs> hall of famer already Like, like he's on that track <laughs> um um go go back a couple of years on the podcast i think we we're talking about Sek being the most avoided guy at light heavyweight <laughs> <laughs> the most avoided fourth best polish light heavyweight in the world if he if he'd had the fights he should have had he'd probably be top 15 on box rec now but he's been avoided uh-huh. Uh-huh. and he's been yeah. he's been hard done by. big time and credit to Ant for giving him an opportunity to <laughs> showcase his skills because Anthony Yard needed this test and the great thing about it was Anthony Yard didn't break a sweat my favourite tweet of the it week must have been was, good then my favourite tweet of the week was the guy um, Boxwreck Grey on Twitter who took a photo uh, snapshot from the um, the weigh-in and the face-off you know where the two fighters are stood opposite one another hands up and uh, he just tweeted like a picture of that just put isn't it really nice that Anthony Yard stopped to take a photo with a fan <laughs> We need to stop this Twitter bullying. Like, <laughs> two years from now, when the Yard unifies and is undisputed. WBO like, Europeans as like all over the champion. place. No, just as like heavyweight champion and moves up to heavyweight and people just go, Terry, you're absolutely right. How did you see it before everybody else? And I say, well, you know special when you see it. And I know people are talking about he needs to fight Frank and Jose and so forth. That was last year. He's, he's way past that. You know, Steve said it on the podcast when he was on. Steve Goodwin said it. You know, that fight's long gone now. You know, everyone's looking at different different options. So, you know, thanks to Steve for having the foresight to see how great Anthony Yard is. Um, it's why Steve is one of the best promoters in the game. And it's why Steve is someone I respect a lot because he saw the greatness in Anthony Yard too. <sighs> what fucking planet do you live on? But... Um... <laughs> It's, look, I, I don't care. I genuinely don't care. The only thing that engenders any emotion out of all this is Terry's hyperbole around it. Because the actual fight itself was such a non event. And the seven people that were in the O2 at the time, three of which were officials, didn't care either. And like, there was just, there was nothing about it that's of any interest to anyone. And so the justification from Tundi and from Frank before this fight was that he's never fought a Southpaw before. And so he needed the experience of fighting a southpaw. Fine. Great. Go ahead and do that. He was sparring in the build-up to this. Leon McKenzie, who's a retired former English uh, title challenger. His sparring with Leon would have been harder than that fight with Sek. Not from what I heard, though. I heard Sec was demolishing everybody in yeah. the UK. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you, you know it's bad, right, when you get bunts down before the fight and um, whatever cretins there were with him, McIntosh and someone Woodle. else. Woodall. And they were talking and like you know when they have to build someone up. And so they were saying sex never been dropped before, never been stopped before. Honestly, you look through his box wreck, every fight he's ever had has been in Poland. And like for a start, those fights never happened, probably half of them. Um So so wait, wait, so Masternach never existed? All these guys exist. Adamek <laughs> never existed. These are great Polish fighters. These are tough yeah. men. They These the guys are guys are great. Poland, like, but they had to start somewhere. Look, Sek Sek was at the car wash He's five minutes t- after that t- fight. Back on t- fucking night fucking duties. Hell. Fuck off! Absolute load of bollocks. Ugh. Do not give a fuck. So when it comes to like heavyweights, you because no. racism. <laughs> no, no, no. But look, let's all let's all go back to let's all go back to the heavyweight discussion. When I told you the bull, bo- yeah. No, yeah, no, no, no. no, no. Andy, Andy, hold on. Look, let's let, let's go back to the whole light heavyweight discussion. And I told you the Buglioni Empire would fall, not because he's not talented, but because he wasn't getting the right challenge. Would Buglioni
0: have got flattened
1: by sec Yes. <laughs> <laughs> three I, need rounds. I even three rounds. It. Three rounds because I already did in sparring and no, they had, no, they had no. 40 ounce gloves on and Frank still got splattered against no. the wall Fra- I heard Fra- Fra- not splattered I did, right no now. I heard he ended up against the 40 wall 40 ounce <laughs> 40 ounce gloves and he looked like do you remember those rides you get at the fairground where it spins you really really quickly and then you get stuck to the wall the and walls can, of death yeah. yeah that's what Frank looked like by the end of it I heard wow. just stuck to it we're not even talking about the fact that Sek was sparring Joshua this week wow he didn't even have to it was just a favour to he AJ rock,
0: did he rock AJ a few
1: times No. AJ think, didn't invite him back make no. your own conclusion I think, I think it was even it was, it was definitely even this
0: guy's terrible <laughs> AJ you're going to have to invite him back otherwise people will start spreading rumors yeah. <laughs> Terry's
1: looking through the window <laughs> <laughs> making notes and <on> everything <laughs> no but to be fair look for me there's only really three people that could possibly give Anthony Ida a credible oh, fight fucking and hell and that's Kovalev probably Kovacek and Adonis Stevenson. What? So you're saying he, he batters Baterbiev today? I think he knocks him out. Fucking Clean. hell! <laughs> honestly, like- <laughs> <laughs> Terry is actually laughing. <sighs>
0: don't, let him, don't let him. Terry, He's what do you
1: think? Ducking from the microphone. Cold. <laughs> <Huh>? Cold. <laughs> oh, Barrera, iced. I have no issue with Vivod. Bivol won't even come out. The music will just play for about half an hour and you'll all be like, where's Dimitri Bivol?"
0: And he'll just send a message out saying he's scared or something.
1: No, well, he'll run out of the arena. You'll see the camera. Then, just like all the fans last night. No, no, you, you honestly have Rob Tebbett chasing him like, listen, we need to talk. He's like, no, never. <laughs> and that's the end of it. Anthony Yard like, he should just move up to heavyweight. Just take those belts. Like, it's fair for boxing because the <laughs> knockouts he could administer at British level would get boxing banned. I don't He's even know. He's doing it so you guys I can watch boxing. I don't even know why you donate your sperm to Anthony Yard so much. I'm not sure what it's about. <laughs> uh, he might need a bit of help. I don't know. But yeah. he doesn't need help. You've just told me he knocks out Anthony Joshua. Yeah, but, but you know, listen, this is a special sperm inside ja- these underpants. Man. Like, <laughs> whoever, whoever, anyone, I'm the can man. You can get it.
0: <laughs> Jamie Ingleby asks At light heavyweight, promoters need to realise the difference in protecting. Um,
1: well, Jamie Ingleby needs to realise the difference between protecting army boxing team boxers.
0: And plain old avoidance. Yard boxed well last night, doesn't cut the ring off as well as he could doesn't need to it was to. still
1: a good performance but he doesn't need to where's the guy running to it's a ring he's not running anywhere do you know what I mean <sighs> Anthony Yard doesn't need to cut. He, he will do what he wants when he wants this is greatness this is rewriting the rules of boxing <laughs> uh-huh. um, can we skip all Anthony Yard related questions where does he go next
0: apart from the moon to the fight hall of fame. the wizard of oz the, right? uh, the hall of, hall of fame. fame the hall of fame <laughs> just retire now as you beat sec boxer he'd live. never
1: been dropped Buncey told me yeah <laughs> You dropped him in the first round. That's okay. how legitimate a challenge he was. Um, so from, no, we... look, let's be serious for two seconds, which is going to hurt Terry. All oh, right, I was about to move on then. I
0: didn't think I was going to get a serious I think out. we
1: said it after the last Anthony Yard fight. I'm genuinely <laughs> bored to death of Anthony Yard. I genuinely have lost any interest that I used to have. And I did have a lot of interest. Him and Tunde Jai and Frank Warren talking... How many times can they tell us he only had 16 amateur fights? Whatever it was, 10 amateur fights. Stop, stopped all but one. Sorry? He stopped all of them but one. I should know it because they've told me it so many times. Violently. There's no other narrative around it. Violently. This. And he's had 16 professional fights now. Like, L- fucking do something. L- L- absolute L- waste L- lot of, of, lot of time. British, a lot of British boxers didn't want it in those times yeah they didn't want it yeah no I'd imagine that's why I'd he imagine had to they change didn't. over because he said look I want a box elite and then they couldn't match him up yeah I'd imagine so they <laughs> just gave him a gold medal but, they don't entering the Olympics son but, what but, are you going to do if Anthony Yard loses one day this is fucking ridiculous. What? Well, about, if what? Gets,
0: well, about if he gets floored No, by you're something. right. No, how? How? you're
1: right. It is fucking ridiculous. Because for the next 10 years, he's going to be fighting Sek and his compatriots. How, 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 how can Antony be beaten? And uh, then we're going to hear that he hasn't well, fought somebody with a mohawk. Uh, uh, so he needs to fight someone how? with a mohawk in how? his next fight.
0: Saying, we all know Polish second tier boxers are the greatest boxers no, in the world. So look,
1: Frank Warren, I guarantee you, will get an IFL interview with him during the week. Anthony's never fought a woman before. So we're gonna bring him a woman <laughs> for his next fight. After that one, it'll be Anthony's never fought a, a cat before. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna train a cat up. Then it'll be a I, Southpaw cat. I that heard that fought.
0: cat had been fighting Joshua in the week.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Undefeated. Look. I'm so bored of it that like either f- it's a shit or get off the pot moment. That when David Hayes says someone looks the part. Like you know you're going to the hall of fame.
0: Right, okay, okay. So where next should he be going? Where should he be who should he be aiming
1: to fight next? Fight God. somebody like God. That's all that's left now. Fight Callum Johnson. There you go. Why? Because he's not beaten anyone near Callum Johnson's level. Well, what level's Callum Johnson? He's not he's British. Not, he's really? But look who he beat to get British. Come on, man. But Anthony Yard, who's he beat? SEG! Seg for fuck's sake uh, <laughs> and Norbert second Norbert <laughs> for fuck's sake Norbert, <laughs> Norbert Nemesopati oh right, my god right, okay, okay okay he was the greatest Norbert I'm that's ever stepped to, in a ring I'm gonna
0: have to do this in Terry's way right so Terry given what he's done now when is he gonna fight for a world title whenever he chooses and which will we be will be I'll, when if
1: I was advising Anthony to fight for a world title I'd probably say March next year I mean take the rest of the year off chill out He's all right. He doesn't need to do anything. Is there any point in fighting for world title? Like, it's, just... it's a step backwards. He's <laughs> <laughs> de facto world champion. And just if you want this kind of entertainment, get yourself down to the live show. No, this is terrible entertainment. <laughs> it's just you fucking bullshit in your way. Yeah. <laughs> Fighter. I, I'm trying to think like I've seen great light heavyweights. I, I used to watch Bernard Hopkins and be blown <sighs> away. And even Ward at 175, I was blown away. But I don't think either of them lands a the glove on Anthony Yard at their best. Just saying. Move on.
0: Move oh, well, on. Blowing Anthony Yard away. Off. My... Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> that's what I meant. Sorry. <laughs> Murray versus Garcia.
1: I've genuinely no idea. I've I was turned over. I don't wait, think wait. anyone watched that. Unfortunately. <laughs> I don't even think there was anyone in the O two, 2 by this. But there were people that had genuinely left. Like, I... they turned up for the undercard fighters. And so, where it started off on TV being... I don't know, if we're being generous, 40% full. By this point, it was... It was York Hall. You could have fit them all in there. Uh, it was, you know... Look, Martin Murray... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you do with Murray. Murray will never be box office. Like... Murray's an undercard fighter and he will be an undercard fighter for the last three fights of his career. That's it. You can't build a main event around Martin But Murray. what's amusing now? He's now mandatory for Golovkin again. Do you remember that absolute pasting he took off him in Monaco? The one way he lasted until... rounds. Yeah, round 11. Like, he's, <laughs> he's gone downhill since then, Martin Murray. Arguably, Golovkin has. But Golovkin hasn't gone downhill enough that Martin Murray stands a hope in hell. Hey, Who was this fucker well, that he got in? Well, I've no well, idea. Well, no, Martin Murray will fight Canelo. I, I don't care. Like, I'm not being horrible about it. Martin Murray should be a development talent at this stage of his career. Like, He should be fighting some of the upcoming middleweights. Yeah, I want you to see Murray versus Liam Cameron. That, that's the fight I want to see. Just make it happen. Now, I, I just don't know where you go with Martin Murray, to be honest. But I've been saying that for two years on this podcast. Yeah. So I can't say much more about it. O'Hara Davis, iced, iced a man. That that right hand O'Hara knocked him out with. I'll, and I'll be honest, and I know Craig's gonna go. Didn't bother with that, Terry. No, he would have knocked out Josh Taylor if he could have thrown that right hand. If he could have caught Josh Taylor, that right—it's very naive to assume Josh Taylor would have stood there and, and throw that right hand. That right hand hits everybody, didn't well, hit Josh Taylor. And I don't know what it was about being in the Sims camp. I don't know what it is about being around Barry Smith. But when I saw the O'Hara Davis of last night, it reminded me of the O'Hara Davis before he turned pro. And he was just, he was just fucking people up. And but that opponent it, was dog shit, Kamenga. But it, it, it's not... It's In boxing, you're going to land every, one of your, every kind of punch. If you throw a jab at some point, you're going to land a jab. Like shit, even Dave Allen landed a jab last night you're going to land all your punches at some point. So if Davis hits anyone with that, no one's going to take that on the chin and go, I didn't feel that. Do I don't I disagree. Mean? Like that is a hell of a punch. And the way that the guy like danced after he'd been hit, feet together, fell back. Like that was an off off switch punch. Yeah. And and for me, it's about, do you build O'Hara Davis around that punch? And everything else is a distraction to open up that shot. Because if you do that, I don't know who lives with him at world level. Josh Taylor. Uh, Yes. Yes. Let's see. Let's see, because we're going to discuss Taylor Postel in a second. And there were things I saw there that pulled me back from the bandwagon a little bit. But happy for O'Hara, as he said before, you know, he was under the bus for a bit, but now he's sitting back on the top deck, you know, with his Oyster card fully charged up. So let's just hope that Frank doesn't balls this one up they need to do something with him whether that's getting the morris hooker fight whether that's getting a terry flanagan fight Catrell. no I what's it? the point in the cattle like if cattle was still holding the british title i'd agree with that entirely but they made jack Catrell <laughs> or jack cattle chose to don't know which way around it was drop that british title to go and take meaningless fights and he's fighting is it tyrone mckenna yeah next weekend decent fight though. Yeah. um but I don't know why you dropped the British title to go and do the stuff that Jack's been doing. I feel for him because I like Jack Cattrell. But now... Nah, I suppose there will be a WBO European, I would guess. But, but everyone forgets, you know, Cattrell, he's still got that good story behind him, hasn't he? The Spard Mayweather, Spard Canelo. Yeah, I like he, Jack Cattrell. Yeah. He's a good fighter. And that would be a good fight. But it would be a really good fight if they could put the British title on the line for yeah, that. Yeah, because it's a good because bridge... Jack vacated it. Yeah, it's a good bridge fight. That's why I call one of those. It's a bridge fight where... Ahara's just knocked over someone they found on box rec. That we had to all go and work out who the hell this guy is. Give him someone we know, someone we can measure him against. He was no sec, was he? He was <sighs> look, you can only who find is? one or two sex. Like, they're unicorns in this game. <laughs> but we don't know so so it's a good it's a good bridge fight. And then you start talking about guys of that postal level. I'm not saying postal himself. But guys like that, like a Hank Lundy, a guy that's fought for a world title at 140, let O'Hara do that, benchmark him, and then go, right, where do you put him in, in the mix? Do you put him in the World Boxing Super Series? Don't know.
0: I liked your comment earlier about him being the fourth best, no, the best fourth best Polish boxer in the world. <laughs>
1: oh what sec no because they, the, they made the point about him needing to face a southpaw which as I said at the time don't have an issue with that they find this sec geezer and I was having a conversation with somebody about it Of, um, I said I bet he's not even the best southpaw light heavyweight in Poland and he's not he's the second best light heavyweight <laughs> like you couldn't even get the best southpaw light heavyweight in Poland but to be honest a southpaw out in the yard is better than any southpaw anyway I agree completely <laughs>
0: he's worn you down if only I'd known it was this easy over all these years I could, I could have just worn you down <laughs> over every argument <laughs> Um. okay so we finish with Mari Garcia please because Daniel i was finished when it was on Daniel Smith asks if Josh Taylor enters the World Boxing Super Series at super lightweight who are his biggest threats operating at the weight sec
1: O'Hara Davis <laughs> Set can make... Yeah, he can make 140. It depends who they get into it. Like, yeah. we all know there's politics involved with these things. Who are the belt um, holders? So Progray's got a version of it, right? Ramirez. Um, Progray. Oh, fuck, I don't know. It was the ones that Terence Crawford won and then scattered about everywhere, wasn't it? Well, it was, and didn't Garcia win one? And then get... Go, now I'm going back down to lightweight. Because... Uh, Morris well, Hooker. Okay, Hooker. So Hooker's got the WBO... Um, Progress got the, I think IBF is the one in Dong. WBC is Rodriguez, and who's the WBA then? Fuck knows. But essentially, if you get those four in, because they're not massive names, so you could do that, and then obviously you need someone from the British market, so you whack Taylor in there. I can see Hearn weaseling like a Ricky Burns or a crawler into that. Being honest with you, wouldn't surprise you at all, would it? Yeah, but yeah, expect it to be underwhelming though. That's all I can say on that one. Oh, Relic, he's the uh, the WBA, ah, the one who lost to Ricky Burns.
0: <laughs> uh, uh, super lightweight,
1: uh, yeah. Who is it Progre's WBC interim? So how does it. The, work, belt. the
0: IBF being vacant? How does that work? Well, like, who? I wh- think
1: Garcia vacated that, didn't he? So what, did you okay. just sit I there? can't bother to look it up. You start getting vacant interim WBC stuff. Fuck the WBC. They're fucking helmets, right? That prick, what's his name? Mauricio Sullivan. Mm. You see the thing he put out about Martin Murray? I'm no Martin Murray fan. I'm far from a Martin Murray fan. Martin Murray at the weigh-in pushed um, whatever that geezer's name was Garcia. last night. Garcia. Well, sorry, I, was um, un- I was uncalled for. <laughs> so, you know, all those pushes that you see at uh, weigh-ins, press conferences, etc. You know, things being thrown, names being called. So, Martin Murray pushes him, whatever. Like, there's a bit of a set to it Who was that guy from, from Garcia? Garcia's? C- want through. No, <laughs> ran through. Um, and then Suleiman takes a tweet from like BT Sport or something like that with a video clip of this, retweets it saying, um, this is unacceptable that we will take sanctions over this. Like this is the same Suleiman who came out defending Canelo when he failed a drugs test, and said like we don't think he's guilty of doping, despite the fact that he'd failed a drugs test and was serving a six month ban at the time. And that's what Suleiman came out with. So how can you defend a man who has failed a drugs test, like it or not, he has, and yet take sanctions against a man who pushed somebody away? In I'm like, no wonder people think you're a bunch of fucking idiots. You are. I just remember when Mendoza lied to you for an hour yeah yeah let's get him back nah (laughs) I want him (laughs) back (laughs) you need a rematch yeah we'll start we can just replay the first one and stop it every like two minutes you said this and all of this shit happened yeah (laughs) Um, we gave him the benefit
0: of that little prick (laughs) so are we we answered who the biggest threats are for Josh (laughs)
1: Taylor I think it's the belt holders (sighs) yeah yeah, I mean, there's no anyone? outstanding talent. Since Terence Crawford moved up, there's no one outstanding talent in that division. And uh, I think Josh Taylor's now ranked like, on box records, as the number one in that division. Right, but
0: t- Terry, to pick up on something you said earlier, you, was, you said there was reasons for you to not be jumping on the bandwagon with Taylor last night so, against Postol. So
1: let's start with the headlines of Postol. Like the scorecards I thought were disgraceful. Yep. It was like like 118, 110, 190. All, all, it, was, it was so disrespectful to what Victor Postel did to Josh Taylor. And it was embarrassing. I think the knockdown swung the fight. And at this point, Craig's going a Scottish shade of red. I can see no, it. No, because I was texting Craig during the fight. Because he was there. Um, I didn't know he was there. I, I, just, I just had no idea he was in Glasgow. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> he was up there. Um, <laughs> and I was texting him during it. Just He wanted to check the, how I was seeing it at home against how it was being seen in the ring. Um, and he had... He had it pretty much the same I did throughout. I scored it 115-111, maybe, um, to Taylor. Um, I, I thought it was, it was paper thin, because there was a point about the 8th or the ninth round, I was like, I think Postol's winning. Yeah. No, I think I was the same, and I think Craig was as well. Because he but then it turned after that, after the knockdown, it turned, and Postol just couldn't get his rhythm back. It, it was like mentally he broke. Yeah. So if you look at the fight before, Postol did everything right, and... I think someone someone on Twitter said, look how much better he is now that he's left Freddie Roach. And I understand where that came from because when he postured up against Taylor, he did the thing that that most people ignore. So he keeps his lead hand, A, very busy, but B, it was always above Taylor's jab hand. And what that meant was Taylor had no option but to jab under Postel's hand. So Postel had the option of slapping it down and countering or just straight blocking it. So he had the dominant position on the lead side. And that meant that he could maneuver himself into advantageous positions. And Taylor was struggling most of the fight because it meant that Taylor was kept in a very narrow channel with his foot on the inside, leaving him open to getting hit with the backhand. And I don't want to be overly complex, but just that in itself seemed to break whatever game plan Shane had for Josh Taylor. And you could hear in the corner, Shane was trying to implore him to to deal with that. It was like Taylor had had it easy for so long. He hadn't been against someone who was wily like Postal was and also fundamentally sound. So Postal did, there was nothing flashy about it. It was just bare bones boxing. And he was using that to just keep winning round after round after round. And I think what happened after a while, and I th- Shane just gave the cue to say, look, stay on his chest and just batter him. And it was that whole thing of has Postal still got the heart for this? and i think that's how josh taylor won it but against someone of taylor's level of hunger and level of experience i don't think he could have got away with that sort of performance so you couldn't do that against a pro grade and i think pro grade southport if i'm correct so he'd face he'd face a similar challenge in that He's not going to be allowed to have it his own way. And especially Southport against Southport, I I have a feeling Progre is more comfortable doing that than Taylor is. So there are all these things I saw in Taylor where I said, we can now kind of see where the ceiling could be for Josh Taylor. You know, it's not a super hard puncher, fundamentally sound. He's okay. He moves okay. It's not special. You know, what we saw against O'Hara Davis was nice, but Postle's a different level of operator. So there were just little things I started to see in Taylor where it wasn't the assured performance I'd seen up until that point.
0: What did you make of it?
1: (laughs) Well, Martin, what have you got to say? (laughs) I enjoyed it, man. I thought it was a brilliant fight. It was, like, compelling. It was one of those fights where you're suddenly 10 rounds in and it feels like you've only watched three. It was just so good to watch. Um... Taylor, I thought, was not out of it, but was being left behind for the first half of the fight. The score, like, have you seen the scorecards? It's just madness, like absolute oh, madness. It, so the, the early part of it, there seemed to be broad consensus. So I think the first third of the fight, the judges more or less agreed who was winning. No, um, on one of them, they only gave. Um, uh, they only gave Postor one round. Yeah, so he he had round one, round one, and then no. lost every other round. And, and and so this is my point. So th- there seemed to be this this weird consensus that didn't accord with what was happening in the ring. Yeah, and then you, it leaves you to go, what are you scoring against? You know, did the, did the other judges judge it the same way? Uh, all of them were <laughs> wider than I think you could justify. But I really enjoyed Taylor. Like when he got onto the inside, and that's what he was struggling with—was getting on the inside of those long arms of Postel. But when he was getting inside, he was doing some fantastic work. And he and John Lewis actually let him work on the inside. Postel was constantly looking for the break that never came, and so Taylor was happy working away, working away, hooks into the body. Um, I thought he struggled a lot to get inside though, and when he did, he couldn't—he couldn't trap Postel. So the couple of times he did get him against the ropes he got to work on him but not enough and then he'd let him go again and postal was so wily but the footwork of postal was fantastic i thought just to stay at a distance from taylor throughout every time taylor came in he would just move back move back um and i thought it was just it was such a compelling fight i really enjoyed it man and we shouldn't forget how many times taylor got hit yeah but he, he also got a hell of a chin on him. Yeah, he got, he got hit a lot. And he was getting hit clean. Which which gives other people in that weight class hope. Like, a guy like Broner, while he's not active, Jesus, is he accurate? And so, do you call out a guy like Broner if you're Taylor? Don't know. Be That would be an interesting fight to see. No, no, there's no interest in that. Broner's like an irrelevance, frankly. I've got no interest in him. Um... I think you've just you look at the matchmaking of his career and you go back to what was it October twenty sixteen when he fought Dave Ryan? And at the time Dave Ryan was seen as like this tough, hard as nails geezer. Like this is a big risk of a fight for a young, up and coming Josh Taylor, who was only in maybe a sixth fight, fifth fight of his career, somewhere around that at the time. Um and he smashed Dave Ryan to pieces. I think that was like his breakout fight domestically, was when people started to sit up and take notice. And then his his matching from that point onwards has been fantastic. So I think it was maybe his eighth fight where he won the Commonwealth against Joubert. Um, Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Joubert, (laughs) The South African geezer. Um, (laughs) But then he moved on to like Davis, Vasquez, Campos, and then Postol. Um, Like that, taking on Postol last night, I love that because Postol's a former world champion who's still got it, clearly. Was he 35, 36 years old? still got enough about him that he's a threat and he's relevant in that division. But that matchmaking for Josh Taylor to go through those levels as quickly as he has is what builds the hype and builds the interest. He's not gone stale at any point in terms of where he's at in his career. I want to give Shane credit now because it happens a lot on Twitter where people go, what does Shane do? Is it really Barry that's behind all of this? Now, I've spoken to Shane. We've talked boxing before. On a side note... Everyone, check out the Rob Tebbett interview with yeah, Shane well, is It's good, you know. Like until until Rob gives me my interview, I can't really assess him as an interviewer. <laughs> he's he's average for now. You know, he's average. What was different about it? Rob asks the questions and then goes quiet. If that was Coogan doing the interview, Coogan would have started speaking over the top of Shane throughout. Yeah, but but what I like about Shane and where he's moved British boxing thinking is the body becomes a strategic asset. Traditionally, if you watch most British fights, the proportion of headshots to body shots is like 80-20, 85-15. Everyone's going looking for their headshots. What Shane's been able to do is say to his fighters, let's try and get it more to a 60-40 split. 60 headshots, 40% body shots. Which is more in line with what you see accomplished boxers from elsewhere do. And Shane's worked on this. You see it in Chantel Cameron. You're saying Chris Bilem Smith, McGregor. Every they always go to the body, and they go to the body with real intent. And so what that does is, like a Joe Gallagher fighter. It, it, um, <laughs> no, no, the because body. because Don't know what no, the fuck that no, no, is. no, but we're, we're, with a Gallagher fighter, it's you know set everything up for that left hook to the body. With with Shane fighters, it's. You can come around the back of the elbow. You can step to the side, go up the solar plexus, or you can come around with the right hook to the side of to the other side of the body, because you're always guaranteed to land on that side. So it's more of a multi-dimensional attack because they view it as a strategic asset. In a 12-round fight, the more damage you do to the body, the better advantage you give yourself further down the line, and it gives someone two things to worry about. You know, you're not always going to get away with dipping, slipping, and sliding like you normally do against British fighters. So. Give Shane credit for managing to get Josh to implement that. Because, you know, the, it's always that whole thing of, you know, what's Shane ever done for a fight, And I think Josh Taylor's a sign of really good work as a pro trainer. So you just give him his credit.
0: At UK Boxing Fan Number 6 asks, Would the Taylor Poster Fight on Channel 5 <clears throat> financially make a loss for Cyclone with a short-term loss, long-term reward mindset? Uh, and then he takes into account Fight purse production overheads and says that Cyclone may be banking on the fact that JT will become a star.
1: It's an interesting. You've got to think the World Boxing Super Series is heavily rumoured to be looking at that weight division, along with light heavyweight as well, um, to make up the three divisions they're going to run this year. If you get Josh Taylor into that, and if they're running with similar uh, prize money than what they have in the last... Um, the last series of it well the current series because it hasn't fucking finished Um, <laughs> then that's that's money in the bank if you get Josh Taylor into that assuming that he can you know go in as one of the seeds if they could do that and he gets to pick his opponent you get him through to the second round then they'll start to cash back in I'd imagine on, on Josh Taylor
0: it's interesting that whole fact the final hasn't happened yet they haven't even
1: announced it let alone <laughs> it hasn't happened no, we that, haven't got a date we haven't got a venue because no well, no, it's turned into an absolute disaster hasn't it because yep. they can't agree on a venue for the cruiserweight final it was meant to be out in Dubai and now it's meant to be in Russia and it was like fuck off am I going to Russia <laughs> Yeah, but why not just have it in London it will sell out and, and I know people don't believe me that fight, the final of the World Boxing Super Series in the O2, sells out. Yep, I we're, agree. We're that sort of boxing crowd. We understand when we're, in, we're we're getting meaningful fights and meaningful content. There's enough people that know what that fight's about that would go, that would drive enough interest from the more casual supporters as well. It would sell out. Plus, it's a Sourlands. All the fucking, you get all the people turn up going, "Her, oh, Keller sells coke," etc. Like there's so many people that just bank on like that follow Sowelland in the same way they follow Eddie Hearn. To be fair, I follow Sowelland. I'm not gonna lie, just hoping hoping a few crumbs fall out. (laughs) (laughs) But look, do that. Have the so you have that one in London. You could have Smith versus Groves in Manchester. Gives us a chance to to atone for past sins. But look, they could just have it here. No drama we we'll have one here, have one in Paris, but they have options. And but do something. Yeah, let's have some clarity on that. Okay. Well, some of us have hotel rooms booked between now and October in about four different cities. <laughs> uh,
0: so moving on, this is from anonymous. We all love Dave Allen, but how? No, oh.
1: no. Step back. Actually, can we talk about Martin Boccoli Because uh, we talked about the heavyweights before his one minute destruction of D.L. Jones. That's scary. And I know people say, "Oh, this DL Jones," and that's partly true, but he he knocked him out, leaning back with a left hook. I know his coach, DL Jones, a little bit, uh, Ray Askew, and he'd said today that DL Jones had his eye socket fractured with the very first punch of that fight, the very first punch. Fractured his eye socket, which he then said, "Like you know, everybody's going to criticize D. L. Jones for that fight. Give credit to man for even getting up off the canvas when he he could have stayed down because his eye socket was fractured with the first punch. We now need to, you know, I know we're talking about should Dubois fight Gorman and so forth. We all need to be saying to boxing and the boxing gods." Find us someone who's going to test Martin Boccoli because and I know Billy Nelson doesn't like me and I don't know why because I've always been... Because you called him a fat Scottish person with three chins the other week. Well, after... No, no, that was after he abused me. But... <laughs> I, well, you're equal now. I, no, I, after Martin Boccoli ran through and Ladi, I remember just thinking no one's done that to Dom before. But I didn't know if that was just Dom being lazy or Boccoli being good. Dl Jones, Dave is—he's not a guy to cut corners in trade. He would have been like the best version that he could be. And Boccoli came in. They said nineteen stone four. Uh, that can't be right. But he—he—he he, he didn't look like a Joshua. He didn't look like a Wilder. He didn't look like he was carved out of oak. He looked like a guy who could have been more than comfortable in the seventies. That's what he looked like—an old school heavyweight. And he was throwing punches like an old school heavyweight because. He holds no tension in his arms. He just he just swings his arms freely, but it seems to just devastate people. But you've got a problem. You're at Cyclone, all their money seems to be invested in Josh Taylor. B side him. I would. Who's, her- who's gonna want to pay to get Martin Bacoli against their heavyweight? That's a good question. But I w just someone. He's in that Who Needs Him club, and I hate that term, but it's so yeah. true for Martin Bacoli that he looks incredibly dangerous against low level opposition and there are stories that he's made fighters quit in sparring fighters that we've discussed today. Um <laughs> Terry's nodding his head. Um mm. you know, he's incredibly dangerous by all accounts. So therefore, if you're Eddie Hearn and you're trying to build up your heavyweights, if you're Frank Warren trying to build up your uh Bois, <coughs> your Gormans, um then do you really need Bacoli in the away corner to that? No fucking chance. I, I will say this. No right? chance. Bacoli has more of that George foreman about him than any boxer I've seen. More so than Riddick Bowe. There's this thing where he throws punches and the effect doesn't seem to marry up with the effort thrown into that punch. And I'm like, H- what the hell is going on here? He just seems to be one of those freak athletes who who just has bricks in his hands. So, congratulations to him because that's a statement. And now we just need someone. No. You look around the heavyweight landscape, who would you put him in with? Ian Lewison? No. But why not have two of the who needs them club? Go at it. Joe Joyce. Yep. I'd love to see that. But the problem is, if you're Joe Joyce, you've got the Commonwealth title, you're looking up. Like, no offence to mine, Bacoli, but he's down that list. He's not of any interest to anyone, probably no. outside this room so and outside depressing. of his house. Boxing
0: can be so depressing sometimes. I know. Like yeah. If
1: a bloke turned up
0: and he had these mag- magic fists, where if he landed a proper t- land, like landed on your chin properly, it sparks everyone out. You feel like unless he had seven million people that followed him all the time, he'd never see. He'd
1: never. He'd get to I like agree. English level and then just have to go he and be a bricklayer. <laughs> you wouldn't even get to that because nobody at English level is going to want him in the away yeah. corner. And so unless you've got money behind him, which, let's face it, they haven't. In this country, do you have to go Team GB if you're that good? Uh, he's uh, from the order... Congo, Martin Bacoli. So I'm not even sure Team GB would have been an option. I don't, no. I suspect so not. What he, he, but he's probably in his 30s, to be honest. Whatever the whatever Box rec says, he's probably in his 30s. At VAT. Um. <laughs> mm, mm, so yeah I mean shame. he's he's got that very small window of opportunity now to get the fights but who's going to fight him unless you've got the money behind him he's not going to get the phone call to be in the away corner because he offers nothing at all
0: okay moving on we'll get back to the question that I was going to ask from Anonymous before I was uh, rudely interrupted looks at Terry with, with disdain anyway from Anonymous we all love Dave Allen but how long term can it it can be with him going into fights with fighters that are clearly levels above him and taking a beating surely a manager should now say enough is enough what do we think to that Um, (laughs) I can sense a great amount of conflict
1: there is there there genuinely is right I know Dave personally it's hard to watch that uh... (laughs) Terry's lining up something over there it was a hard to watch that. Um, Dave Allen fighting Tony Yoka last night. He was he was going into the fight as a huge underdog. Huge underdog. Goes away to Paris. And his like uh, MO before the fight was like, look, I might land that right hand that changes everything for me in life. You know, I'd become a name in boxing at that point. Um the chance of that ever happening, you know. I think he probably knew it as well as us. We're limited, but that's what he was going there with, with the intent to do. So he goes into the Joker fight. He gets stopped in the tenth round, uh, on his feet. He's taken a bit of a beating. Um, it shows that iron chin again. His game plan was muted. Um, walk forward, throw some shots into the body, hold up. Whilst in the meantime, Tony Yoker's showing every element of his gold medal standards, you know, the that got him the gold medal of the last Olympics. It was hard to watch it as as a Dave Allen you know, you don't even have to be a fan, but you can be someone that just likes him as a man. Um and so I see all these people on Twitter that are like Dave Allen needs to retire, Dave Allen needs to do this, that and the other. Dave Allen has come from dark places. Dave Allen may not have made that fight last night. I don't mean as in like he might have missed the Eurostar. I don't mean it as in like he had a bad training camp. I mean he nearly killed himself a year and a half back. Um, He was at such a dark place. He would be an incredible uh, case study to make into the balance between physical and mental well-being. Mentally, he's better off when he's got a fight in the book. Mentally, he's better off when there's something in the future that he can look forward to because it keeps him out of the, the dark place and the demons that he has. Physically, he wasn't in great shape. He took the fight at three weeks' notice. Um, I think this is the problem that you've got, is that who's advising him? Mick Marsden's his manager and his trainer. Um, You know, I don't know Mick at all, really. It
0: it sounds like a gambler's mentality, saying, you know, saying, oh, you know, I could land that lucky right hand. Surely that's... no, 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 no,
1: no, 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 right. Oh, he's finished doing his... Sniper rifle thing. Dave Allen took a hundred and forty-one shots to the head yesterday, over ten rounds from a six-foot-seven, seventeen-stone-two man. One hundred and forty-one punches to the head. Now, if it was jo- if they were Joshua stats, what I'd say to you was: some hit shoulders, some hit gloves, some hit forearm. If we take anything from that fight last night, Yoka might be the most accurate puncher in the heavyweight division. All those punches were hitting Dave. Like, I don't know how many times I saw the replays where Yoka would, that da- he'd throw that jab, Dave's head would snap back violently, and then Dave would remember to put his hands up afterwards. And I'm watching this and I'm thinking, the big problem here is Dave has... 60% of the elements he needs to compete at british european level but they're not connected together so he's got a he's got good defensive patterns but he hasn't got the awareness or the timing to execute them properly so there was a point where he went with the cross-handed guard. If you want to know what the cross-handed guard is, think of George Foreman in his second incarnation or <laughs> Ken that Norton a, in the 70s. But essentially... Well, a, a, no,
0: if somebody doesn't know what a cross-hand guard is, referring them back to historic men that have done
1: cross-hand <laughs> guards probably isn't the best way. Well, to, no, no, so it, It's a weird way of explaining it. I can do it visually. It's stopping the uppercuts is the well, idea. No,
0: well, essentially what you're doing is... You're, where's, you're, where's the opposing boxer at this
1: point? So the opposing boxer is stood in front of you about to throw... You throw a jab in a right hand. So what you'll normally do is you'll catch the jab with your right hand and you'll bring your right hand over to the left side of your face next to your shoulder to defend against the right hand as well. But what it also does is in the event that he throws a jab in a left hook, you've got your elbow kind of protecting your chin. It's, it's, it's an old, old-timer's old way of defending. And Dave would do that, but he didn't really have the timing or the nows to know that you've still got to roll with the punches. So you'd end up getting hit but it was a very good defensive posture. I call it the Liam Ridgewell conundrum. If you ever watched Liam Ridgewell when he played in the premiership, he was always that defender that knew what he had to do, but he was always half a second off. So whenever a goal was scored, you'd always see him in that kind of Jamie Carragher sliding in pose, but he was always about a meter and a half away. So you're like...
0: Just like Jamie Carragher as well, to be fair.
1: (laughs) No, but essentially you're you're like, I know he knew what he had to do. He's just not quick enough to execute it. And... And I saw a lot of that with Dave. And Dave looked like a guy who's never been taught to box properly. No one's invested time in just getting him to understand what he needs to do, how he needs to box for who he is as a man and what he is as a body. And I don't care how tough his chin is. Like, this is the entertainment business and watching Dave Allen doesn't entertain me anymore. It's sad. It's sad to watch because he's a great guy. But... If Dave was in this room right now, my only question would be is, how serious are you about this sport? Because you're still living in the area you grew up in. You're knocking about with the same people. You're up to these childish antics, these pointless things that tell me, mate, you're not serious. If you're serious, you'd pack your bags and you move the fuck out of South Yorkshire. And you go and find a trainer and you just do nothing for a year. We wouldn't see from you, we wouldn't hear from you, and you'd train. But I want to touch on his weight. He was meant to fight on June the 16th. So why would he be out of shape? It's not like there wasn't a fight for him in the calendar. He was meant to fight at the Doncaster Dome, if I remember correctly. June 16th was a fight. So he should have been in shape. He had an extra week to get in better shape.
0: You will have the opportunity to ask these questions.
1: At the live show. And I have no fear of asking them because I want Dave to succeed. But at the moment, it seems like Dave believes he has all the answers and he has none of the answers. Because joker wasn't even taking that fight seriously that was a walk around for tony joker and if you don't believe me go back and watch the first half of that fight and tony could have taken him out at any point but what he was doing if you notice he was working on things you know that that point where he just stiff-armed dave allen he'd hold him out at range and as dave was leaning in with his head he'd pull his arm back so dave came forward onto a right uppercut and he did that round after round and dave wasn't twigging dave was walking forward square on not even behind a jab, just walking forward, square on and getting jabbed back. All of these things I'm looking at and I'm like, mate, just sack your corner. But he won't. He won't. And when you go to Doncaster, you talk to the guys there, they say the same things: like, mate, we can't help this guy. And it frustrates me because Dave has a great platform and which to do great things. He's got that social media following. Like, fucking hell, the, the two Welsh ladies went out to see him. Do you know what I mean? So he has an effect, but he's blowing it. That's all I can say. He's blowing it. And yeah. I can only talk in a boxing context. Is like it... the, the mental health thing, I'm you know, always willing to support and help in whatever way I can. But I'm a boxing fan and I'm a consumer of a boxing product. Dave Allen doesn't give me what I need. But what I struggle with with Dave's career um, is that I don't know what the aim is at the moment, really. like Fighting Luis Ortiz, fighting Tony Yoker, fighting Dillian White you've not you've not had the stepping stone fights to be fighting these guys um and like luis ortiz is a level above most fighters out there uh, and i realized there were there were reasons why he took that fight at the time what i really want to see is him look to build a career look to build something meaningful so if that career if the end goal is to win the british title then work towards that so go for the central area go for the english get yourself into that mix of the names that we're seeing and do it properly because like, jumping the queue to fight Tony Yoka doesn't help his career. Um, I appreciate it might help other elements of him. So it's then, you have to take the balance, I guess, of what's the most important thing to him. Is it his career? Is it his outside of his career? I don't know the answer yeah. to that. And Dave's the only one that knows the answer to that. Oh. If at the end of his career, he can look back and say, look, I'm in one piece, despite the odds being against that, because of the amount of, of punches that he's taken. But if he can get to that point, If he does and he says, I'm in one piece, I'm all there. Out of it, I fought Tony Yoka, I fought Dillian White, I fought Luis Ortiz. If he gets to that point and he's got money and he can go off and do something else, then I think he'd probably be happy with that. There's nothing worse than that. Actually, there's nothing worse than <laughs> there they, is. No, honestly, no, no. There's they, a lot worse. No, there's nothing worse because like, because I, I go what, through being this, in like, one piece. At no, the end no, of no, career, I'll give you an example. Like I'll sit there and I'll go, and people say, ah, oh, yeah. So when you were when you, when you were younger and more energetic, and I will go, yeah, I used to spar guys like Javan Young, and I used to spar guys like Domak and Ladi. And I I don't look back on that and go, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of what I did. I go and I go. I don't know if they really had much that I didn't have other than they really wanted that boxing thing more than I did, you know? I remember before the Commonwealth Games and doing rounds with guys like Javan Young and sometimes getting slapped about. Did I go down? No. But I didn't feel... You don't feel good about yourself because you're like, why couldn't I do what he did? And then it's about, are you willing to go back and But those are elite level talent. So Luis Ortiz, Mm. Tony Yoko, he's an Olympic gold medalist. Let's be like saying... I'm going to go out and play football but I'm really gutted I can't be as good as Cristiano well, Ronaldo no, no. and Lionel Messi well, no, it's, it's that he wasn't even competitive if that makes sense I wouldn't expect him to be no, if no, I'm honest well, I'd expect him to have some joy where I'm like go on Dave go on Dave and I was just like mate Yoke is not even trying at this point
0: has he become one of those boxers that you has he become and I say it's a heavy heart but like has he become one of those people that people look at and go well get him over because
1: he's a journeyman he's, uh, I hesitate to use that word, but yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, if if I wanted somebody who was guaranteed to take my fighters round, and I had an elite level ten, if I had a Bacoli, if I could afford a Dave Allen, I'd probably pay for it. Um, but but is, that, it, is that what we want out of Dave Allen? It's well, not even what Dave, Allen, what Dave Allen, wants? Allen wants. We don't. I can't say that. So, you can't no, say. No, no. I remember we were at the tsh, fuck. What show was it? Hobson. It was yeah. It was one of the Hobson shows. And we we're talking about, and it was, it was like, Dave, what do you want to do? And he was like, I want to rebuild. That's what he was saying. I want to rebuild. And then, so I left that encounter going sensible. You know, he wants to rebuild. He's going to sort his life out. He's going to retool and he's going to get ready. And then when I saw him doing the leisure center thing, I was like, oh, shit. He's gone back to learn his craft. There he is. He's off to Walsall to have a fight. Little walk around against the guy that he's fought before. And then I saw June the 16th, he's on a Steffi Ball show. Great. I'm seeing where this is going. And then I see the Joker fight. And then it was, it was like old Dave again. It was all playing badminton, uh, table tennis in Sheffield, Dave. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. And I, th- then I was just like, you know, and I think it's a legacy of seeing guys come in and talk a good game and never deliver. I remember Ahmed Patterson as, a, as an amateur. And like Ahmed Patterson has wins over guys like Eric Ochieng and so forth. He was by no means a shit amateur, but there wasn't that desire because every half hour he'd tell you he wanted to be a street dancer. And I remember at the time, Mick Carney would just look and go, you know a good dancer though, to be fair, Ahmed. He is. He's a great dancer. He is. And I remember Mick Carney just going, he'll never make it as a pro tell. He just hasn't got it. And you're like, nah, but look at the way he's training and sparring. Mick was just like, he ain't got it. And, and it's that legacy of years of seeing guys in gyms and you can just tell who really wants it. And I'm just there going, Dave, do you really want it? Because if you do, you're not showing us. And I know that's tough, Martin, because Dave, you and Dave are, you're cool. Like, you're Babe Station buddies, table tennis <laughs> buddies. So, so for you hearing this isn't great. No, but look, look, look. I, I'm a realist about these things. And I think I don't begrudge it. I see people on Twitter that begrudge him getting these opportunities. I'm like, how can you begrudge someone? Getting his opportunities. If he's getting his opportunities because of his social media following or whatever, how the fuck can you begrudge that of someone? Yeah, what you be- can begrudge yeah. is that they're not necessarily turning up in the best shape and giving the best showing they can do. I get that. I don't get how you can begrudge someone yeah. building the opportunity for themselves. No. That's fucking mental. If you have an issue with a man for doing that, then you're just a jealous little cunt, frankly. But the problem But, with- but I look at Dave now and I go. I want to see Dave as a trainer. In the same way, I look at Danny Conner now and I go, mate, I think you'll be far greater as a trainer than you'll ever be as a boxer. I think the problem you're going to have with Dave Allen is, you know, if you're being realistic about it, there's a whole swarm of talent coming up underneath him. The Joyce's, the Dubois, the Gormans, all the ones we've spoken about today. that are going to be looking at that British title level and it's going to get busy around there. So if that's Dave's aim, you've probably got to rule it out for maybe two, three years because you... (laughs) We're at risk of him being fed to other people.
0: Yeah, which is kind of what which I was is what you were getting at earlier. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, okay, speaking about Tony Yoka, who, who manages him?
1: Ringstar. Uh, Sh- Sir Schaefer. Are they. So with him. On with a side note, his wife. <laughs> well done, Tony. <laughs> really?
0: Fuck's sake, <laughs> Terry.
1: <laughs> you, you're an Olympic gold medalist. You marry an Olympic gold medalist, both of you in the same sport, and you have a kid. I'm putting money on that kid winning something. I don't know what he's going <laughs> right, to win. Right, that's what you meant. No, no, but his wife is hot. Estelle uh, Mossley's hot. Like, I am kind of hoping you meant that. Insanely, the insanely hot. Yeah, okay. Not insanely hot. Yes. Nah. Mate, follow her on Instagram, and then we'll talk. But she... She's, she's good. She's... If you had wedding pictures next to her, you're looking at yourself going, I've done everything I needed to do in life. <laughs> She's all right. I've done everything I need to do in life because yep. I've pulled this one woman. Yep. Olympic gold medalist in boxing, 60 kilos, Katie Taylor's weight.
0: Right. Anyway, so where does where, does where does he go? go next? And the reason I ask, I mean, I'm, I ask that anyway, but he's, is he too good to be and not have enough behind him to go further. Did
1: you see how he got savaged on French Twitter? I saw you put it up. <laughs> they, they, Le Twitter, yeah. They, <laughs> no, no. We, we think we're bad. Like I think we're we're just like Joshua's shit, wild as shit. That's us, right? The French go to another level. Like they'll craft a narrative. <laughs> they'll be like, it's like not only is Tony Yoker a big disappointment to us, but this fat English pudding, <laughs> David, <laughs> David Allen. This sausage-eating, Guinness-drinking savage refuses to engage in battle. It'll be like this really long, elaborate tweet, but they really savage Tony Yoka. One guy just said, can you just hurry up and get beaten by Joshua already? <laughs> wow. It's, French Twitter is pretty savage, but I think Yoka. Your mother was
0: a hamster Joker and your father smelled of elderberries.
1: Something like that. <laughs> but Yoka doesn't have that problem. He's backed by Canal Plou in France, which is basically Sky... He's backed by Ringstar, which is basically Schaefer. And so he has access to the American market and the French market. And I don't know if anyone, if you look, the crowd looked reasonably full in that arena. So that, that arena is about the size of the O2. Maybe about 70, 75% maybe, but it was full. And they were charging, what, 300 euros for a ringside, which isn't bad because, you know, it wasn't a great, it wasn't a pay-per-view worthy event and it looked like the ringside area was fully occupied so economically it looks like yoka does make money and so yoka can fight whoever he wants i imagine he'll fight a lot of these european guys that are heavily ranked in the wbo and where, can he we might...
0: s- where can we see him topping out yoka you see is he world I, level or?
1: I, I i could talk for hours on yoka i'm a big yoka fan and one of the things andre ward has said about yoka is he's fully embracing Virgil's philosophy. And I don't know if you got to see the fight, Andy. I know you did, Martin. There were a lot of Ward-like tendencies there. And it wasn't that he went to bomb you out. There was so much control in what he did, where he was like, as long as I've got you on the end of my jab, you're no threat to me. Yep. I'm going to keep working behind you And he's jab. not a big man either, is he? Well, he, he's huge. But he, what well, he hasn't got is he hasn't got the Joshua, the, 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 the superhero arms. No, you know I too. meant like size-wise, as in height. He's not. six-seven. Is he? Yeah. Is he? Yeah, he's 6'7". He didn't look that last night. Yeah, he's huge. I'm <laughs> I don't surprised know. by that. There's a video, I remember this. Not this fight, the fight before. Yoka basically sits he, he sits down for an interview next to the commentators. <laughs> and they're all up to there on it. Oh, really? No, he didn't look that like big. He's but huge. <laughs> Although they claimed Anthony Yard was six foot on BT. He's about 6'3". Anthony Yard's not six foot in high heels. <laughs> I guarantee you that. No, is big. Because remember the Olympic final, he was taller than Joe Joyce. Yeah, he, he didn't look it last time. I've night. got now, his I've height got, down as two like, meters, but I don't know what that is. Well, I'm one meter eighty-two, and I'm it's six about six-seven. One six two, foot. Two, two meters is about six-seven. He's he's huge. Yeah, fair so, play. So, so if you uh, that's a six-foot-seven man controlling you on the jab. He's holding a relatively wide stance, which Martin will appreciate. So he just slides back. <laughs> the McGregor he, yeah, stance. <laughs> he slides back. He does, all, he does all of these things really well. He's a really elegant boxer and he never looks like he loads up. So it's all really it's all snappy work and it does enough damage without him overexerting himself. So you almost look at him and go, I don't think this guy will get tired. He mm. could go the 12 rounds against the Joshua. Let's just see work. him and Joe Joyce. Let's just see him and Joe Joyce next. Mmm... Uh, no, uh, do you know what? I think the ring star model is he goes here and gets a belt, he goes here and gets a belt. I get that. Yeah, so I'm happy because because of I'm quite biased towards Yoko. I'm happy to see him go and fight guys like Tom Schwartz, Otto Violin, and so forth and just blitz through that European scene. But the whole Joyce team are saying we're struggling getting legitimate opponents. Hmm, It'd be no, interesting no, no, no. to see what they do no, no, with... No, 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 no. Billy Nelson said Boccoli's available Whenever. Agree, but nobody. <laughs> this just goes back to my original point. He's worth nothing. Yeah, he might be a great talent, but he's worth nothing. Yeah. Um, Whereas well, I think just for the revenue model, Ringstar need both Joyce and Joker to be smashing down trees. Yeah. Until until it's big enough for them to fight. Each other. It doesn't seem like there's the money available. This is what I was coming on yeah. to is that for Ringstar, when we talk about what's you know who does where does Joker go? The Ringstar model for Joe Joyce. Doesn't seem like there's a lot of money available. No, because he hasn't um, got Canal Plu behind him. Yeah, he's got Five or Dave or yeah. wherever they end up. Um, but so yeah. but honestly, everyone should watch Joker. Like If you really want to see elegance in heavyweight boxing, you're not going to get your flashbang wallop that you get with Joshua. But what you are going to get is a guy who's so accurate and he just, he takes you apart. Like, there's, like I said earlier, there's nothing that hits places it shouldn't. Everything's just purposeful. And I, ah, man, man, it was, it was a joy to watch. Not because not it was Dave, like that part was upsetting, but just watching Yoker execute on a game plan, you know, and listening to what Verge was telling him. And also good to see Verge be, lo- looking healthy.
0: A uh, couple of quick fire questions for you. Stephen Mock asks, uh, Mock asks, win, lose, or draw, where does Chizora go after the Tekam fight? Whoever pays him the most,
1: right? Yeah, I mean, he's a gun for hire almost, isn't he? I mean, he's he's still with Matchroom. Um, you know, Steve Goodwin's managing him. I think it's great, that Takam fight, by the way. Oh, two old dogs, two men of African origin. It's tough. Just fucking <laughs> rawr, get in the middle. Takam's a little bit slippery. Selling Chizura's a few watches while they're at it. You saw the, <laughs> the, the Alan evil. Sugar model. Um, you know, I think it'll be a, a really fun fight. That might be the fight of the night on the 28th. Yeah. Um, where does he go after that? It depends who's going to pay him. So if Joe Joyce's team come up with the money that he asked for, whatever it was, whether it was 500, 600, 700 grand, if they come up with that money, he goes and fights there. It doesn't really matter if he wins or loses against him. That the- IFL interview was brilliant, which you saw a FaceTime. I, think, I don't know if you yeah. FaceTime Joe Joyce or Coogan, but it was just there like, get rid of your team, they're shit. <laughs> he's like, he's like, hey, Joe, I'm just chilling on the sofa. Yep. And he was honest. He was like, look, get the money ready. I'll fight, man. You know me. Given it, the
0: talent coming through, like you are saying before, is always in a fairly good position to make money
1: out of that, isn't he? Going it to, could yeah? be a great position for him because they're all a level below where he's at at the moment or maybe two levels below where he's at at the moment. But if he can stick it out for another two years in the sport, he could get a nice few repi- retirement paydays yeah. out of it.
0: Um, Kev Morrow asks, if
1: Frampton wins his high court case against
0: the McGuiggins, do you think some of the fighters might jump ship? Uh, and may there may be some trust issues going forward.
1: <laughs> well, they'd all be well aware of the trust issues. So, example, Chris Billeme Smith's been in that camp long enough. He's been in that camp for what two and a half years. Comrade Cummings, when he left that camp, didn't keep his mouth particularly shut. Yeah, he opened up about it. So they already know the allegations and the rumors within that camp i've no doubt but as i said to a fighter who was contemplating the mcguigan switch where are you going to be in three years that's going to be better for you because even if they rob you in these three years they're going to rob you of a pittance because you're not going to make millions anyway so be on channel five have the mcguigan's validate who you are as a boxer get three years of shane's training if it hasn't worked out by then you can move on you're a better product by then so there's for Chantal Cameron, there's a, it's a no-lose position. For Chris Willem-Smith, it's a no-lose position. Lee McGregor, no-lose position. Josh Taylor might be the only one where he's like, uh, these numbers are getting bigger now. I need more clarity around where the money's going. But I think, to be fair to Josh Taylor and the McGuiggans, like, they've complemented one another very well through this phase. So you're building somebody. It's when you get to that Frampton levels of notoriety and income that the questions maybe start getting asked or whatever, but... He's not been there before, and he's only just reaching there now. So Because remember what triggered this off? It was the 400 grand tax demand that came to Frampton's door. That was when it was like, what the hell? And and, and I'm not releasing anything that's not public, but that's what triggered it. And yet it was McGuigan who started the legal action with Frampton. Yeah.
0: Okay, Um. Paul Altai asks... Shouts out to Paul Altai. Paul
1: Altai... You're not going to get shout-outs from the Fight Talk boys anymore Now they have retired, so... Uh, yeah.
0: With rumours of DeGale maybe fighting Saunders, is this a fight that interests you? Fuck no. No, no, per- no, 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 no. Me no. personally, I think it's a good way for Saunders to be a two-weight champion. I don't give a It'd fuck He'd be about- the
1: least deserving two-weight champion since Broner. <laughs> <laughs> no. Since Terry Flanagan had a punt here. Yes, no. Just no. No, 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 no. And this isn't an anti degale one. For once, this is like Billy Joe. I'm like, come on, mate. Like, Digail's been in wars against guys we respect. He's been in wars with Badu Jack. He's been in wars with Darrell. They're guys we respect. I have, whatever we think of them, they're guys we respect. Saunders hasn't shown us anything like that yet. But, but does that matter? I mean, he's just, yes. he's just
0: preying on someone that he can beat
1: if, if he beats
0: him, then surely.
1: Nah, well, they can fight if they want. I'm just not watching it. You know, I think... DeGale's at the point in his career where well, I understand it's a reasonably sized payday, but is it a reasonably sized payday? I'm not even convinced by that. That's fair What point. other options has he got though? Who DeGale? Yeah, it's it be Groves. It's got to be big pay. Yeah, but Groves presumably Groves is sort he of waiting? He takes a loser of Groves. Callum Smith. If I he takes Chris Eubank Jr., there are a few British fights that would give him. I think he decent goes back to America go and get that the Hayman money. See if the Heyman money's still there, yeah. yeah let's get um, the Hayman money. The, the British experiment didn't work, mate. You got truaxed and you had to go back to Hayman in America to avenge that. Why not just stay there? He's th- lost so much support. I think the only time I need to see him back in the UK is for that grocery match as their final fight. Just the two old boys come together. Retirement match. L- Loser-retires. Well, yeah, we'll all go there and support it. We'll all, you know, I'd chip in for that fight because... And we'd all clap. At the end we'd be like, thank you guys because... You've for both the, given us careers that are worthwhile. For the last 10 years, you've entertained us. Yeah, You truly have. The the, the last few years of De Gail have been a damn squib. And I don't really care about him anymore. But I'd care about him for that one night. And I'd happily give my money over to help put towards his retirement fund. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's, I'd be all right with that. But otherwise, I don't really give a fuck. Um, what's happening with
0: Joshua Wilder? we anything come through? <laughs> I refer
1: everyone back to what I said before. The fight's not happening. And we're at the point where we now need to start saying that fight will never happen. And here's why. Povetkin made it clear. We negotiate or we go to purse bids. There's no step-aside money. So that fight has to happen. The the WBA can't overrule Povetkin. Povetkin has a contractual right. That's why they have the problem they've got with Freza Kenda, a man who hasn't boxed for four years, but it's still the mandatory for Manuel Chaha. Because the WBA, Mendoza... Try to... They try to gerrymander the rules. So Povetkin's smart. Because Povetkin knows, right? Ryabansky whatever that guy's name, Ryabinsky can get the money for a fight. So if they don't negotiate, he's got a purse bids. Those Russians get the money. And you know what? They'll probably just put it on in Chechnya for Joshua. And it's just there. And Josh is like the only black face in that stadium. There's no way Joshua's going to that fight. He'll vacate. Yeah, of course he will. Now would. the fight means nothing. As soon as Joshua vacates the belt... We don't care about this Suddenly at that point, you won't be able to fit all these mandatories in. It's such a shame. We'd love to do it, but... Yeah. Can't fit these mandatories in. And and that's what's going to kill this fight, is Povetkin's aggressive attitude that says, I don't want any step-aside money. And the fact that the IBF will have to call a mandatory soon because Takam was, what, September last year? So after the summer, you'd imagine after Pulev has fought Huey Fury, I think that's the direction that it's headed. Do you want to know what I heard with no malice, no bias? I'll try and present it um, without any of that. The Hearn, uh, where he said we were going to send back a contract and then said Wilder's team have delayed it. They didn't... Hearn didn't send that contract. Like After he said we're sending the contract, it took something like two weeks to actually send a contract. And then it was returned say there aren't enough details in this so the, there were two things that were missing out of the contract from what I know one was the date and one was the venue and there was no rematch clause if Joshua won there was if Wilder won those were the terms of the, the contract and, and that was received all... by Wilder's team that that's from and TV rights as well right no, that was in there, I believe. Those were the three things that were disagreeable. No date, no venue, that, no rematch clause. The rematch was the
0: bit that really um, pissed me off big time. And
1: so remember that the two of the things that Hearn said about in the initial contract when he said, Oh, they haven't sent through all the details, proof of funds, blah, blah, blah He said Wilder's team never sent through a date, never sent through where it would be. From what I understand, those same details were missing when the contract went back the other way. So, I present that without any bias, so, to so, it. so it's, I, I, it, I don't care. So now. next week, expect the Povetkin fight to be announced. I've I've genuinely lost interest in it to the yeah. point that I, I don't feel like there's. I would say there's maybe a ten percent chance that fight happens within the next twelve months. Um, and if it doesn't, then it's irrelevant because he's not going to hold all the belts. Yeah, yeah. I kind of I'm at that point now where I'm not angry at either side. Just everybody let go of it and do something else
0: really so you, would, you wouldn't want to see the fight no or I did? do
1: want to see the I, I, of course I, I actually, want to I, see the fight I, I don't give two fucks anymore I knew one of you wouldn't no, here's the reason I don't like, everything's about everything's of its moment like if we go back to when Muhammad Ali came back from you know the draft the, the draft avoidance issue not dodging just draft avoidance issue he fought I want to say Jerry Quarry it was Jerry Quarry who incidentally had a great fight with Joe Frazier. Go and watch that on YouTube if you want to watch f- just fighting in the pocket. Love it. But he fought, he fought him. Then he fought was it Oscar Bonavera Bonaventura? Fuck knows. But he fought him, and then he fought Joe Frazier. Like there was a clear line towards the fight that everyone wanted to see. Did he fight Sefer Seferi at all? Uh, he fought Sec, but. <laughs> But we don't talk about that. Sex, great granddad. Well, it's just sex. Se- sex, immortal, like Hulk Hogan. Sex appeal. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you sexy thing. But oh, so, so that's a clear line. And then when Joe, when George Foreman just minced Joe Frazier, I think was that in Jamaica? And they asked Muhammad Ali, are you going to fight this guy now? I'll fight him now i'll fight him next make the deal happen we'll fight him next that fight happened why is it that <laughs> when the greats can make it happen and Hearn, if Hearn just said look here are the fights we're going to do then we're going to do wilder just show me the roadmap i'd believe it because he's got the power to do that the fact that we're having all of this bollocks tells you they're not they don't want that fight what annoys me I tweeted this the other day is that 1 million percent I believe Anthony wants to fight and I believe Deontay wants to fight I don't believe there's anything about either of them that want other fights if you said to these two men there's 100 million pounds or dollars whatever sitting in a pot and you can split it 50-50 60-40 55 45 whatever it works out as sack your entire fucking management sack your advisors your promoters Between the two of you, take a little bit of that money and go and hire a stadium somewhere and then it will sell itself out. You don't need all these fucking idiots you don't need all these promoters making barriers you don't need the management stuff you don't need to give your money to those people at the end of it you get to keep 100% of that money between you two lads they would go and do it it's all the fucking peripheral all the hangers on all the promoters all the management all the advisors that create these issues
0: second hand ticket website
1: (laughs) (laughs) so if you left it if you left it as just two men and there was a hundred million dollar pot for the two of them to go and hire a venue to fight and that money goes either way, and the winner leaves undisputed, the fight would happen. It's everything else that goes with it that's the problem. And as as fans, you try explaining that. You try explaining that to somebody that doesn't really have a massive interest in boxing. Why aren't Wilder and Joshua fighting? Why? Oh, have you ever heard of Al Heyman and Eddie Hearn? No. Well basically they can't come to an agreement <laughs> What? What's <laughs> that gotta do with two fucking <laughs> yeah. two of the world champions going out and punching one another and earning loads of money? Why don't you just get rid of those people and go and do it? Why don't <laughs> have AJ you ever box heard of Al and
0: Eddie Hearn?
1: <laughs> But that's what it is, isn't it? And then have you ever heard of like their mates and their mates who put have these ever, barriers have up? You ever heard of Al Heyman and Eddie Hearn? No. Well,
0: Al Heyman and well, Eddie Hearn really isn't in charge, but like, basically, Eddie Hearn's got someone who's in charge ahead of him, and please, explain this to me in, a, in an accurate way. Okay,
1: um, so anyway, he sent a contract over, but... <laughs> it's so mad, isn't it? I genuinely wish Deontay and Andy would just ring each other up. Between them, they could pitch in to hire Wembley Stadium or hire a, a Vegas casino for the night, whatever it is. Between the two of them, pitch the money in to hire it. They wouldn't even need to hire They could just do it like... Um, Your call. on a promise. Like, you, there you go, you're going to have 50% of the... Yeah, the, <laughs> the bar takings. Yeah, <laughs> well, whatever. But, you know, just go and hire a place. The two of you sort it out and then we're done. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's everything else that gets and muddies the water that makes you think the fucking sport is doomed if that's the case because you can end up with fucking Joshua Povetkin and I, no motherfucker out I, there cares about that I fight. Really no underst- one.
0: What I don't really
1: understand is that
0: to. Right, to those boxers, they're trying to create a legacy for themselves. And if they don't fight each other, then regardless of whoever they blame it on, that's kind of going to tarnish their legacy. Nope. Bo
1: and Lewis never fought each other. Foreman and Holmes never fought each other. If Dante (laughs) Wilder doesn't fight anti-Joshua... There's a difference in that those fighters had other options that could solidify them as being the best around at their times? Mm, no, so if you look at the early to mid-90s, Bowen Lewis was Joshua Wilder. Yeah. They were, like, they, they were unquestionably... But then Lewis hung around long enough that he could take out some other names that made him a legitimate... But that's looking at it with the benefit of hindsight, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But at that moment, like people were like, this is bullshit. Like, they were like, we are now. This is utter bullshit. And then Bo dumps the belt in the bin, and then you're like, oh, for fuck's sake. I think it was the same with Holmes and Foreman. Although that was more of a timing thing, that Foreman found God just at that time when Larry was coming up. So it didn't make sense. And then when both of them came back in the late 80s, they were going to do the fight then. But no one wanted to put the money up, unfortunately. See, but,
0: but but you don't see any of those names you've just mentioned. You don't look at those those fights that never happened as missed opportunities that would have enhanced their legacies.
1: No, but they showed us that they can make other fights happen. And but but Joshua they... hasn't shown us that.
0: Uh, uh, to what extent? You know... Like, you... The easy one to ask you is Klitschko. But that, that by every measurement, was a success for him, wasn't it?
1: We, we, everyone knows my views on the Klitschko that fought that night. So, I, you know, let me not rake over all coals you know, just to say he was an old man on a gap year with definitely got a dad bod because he's just become a father. But I I, I think maybe we're expecting too much from Josh. Maybe this is his first bump in the road, like it was for Lewis and Bo, where it was like, right, here's the first chance you guys have to have your super fight. And you you didn't do it. And Lewis went off and had his thing with Holyfield. Bo kind of lost his way. And that's how that story ended. And like we know with Holmes and Foreman, George discovered God and had a family. Larry went on to dominate until the mid '80s, and then both came back around the same time. So, do you have
0: either of those two boxers in your mind? If they retired tomorrow, would they have a respectable legacy? No. So then, presumably, they've got they've got to fight big names that, as of yet, aren't big that, names that, anymore. They well, are I'm the saying, big names. That, well, that, the if you, is... you use the Lewis, you use the Lewis Boat um, well, uh, uh, example, and you said, with the benefit of hindsight, we looked and see they fought other play- people. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> now you look. Now we're looking at Joshua Wilder. In order for them to have legacies worth looking back at, presumably you're saying they've got to fight people that have yet to come forward. And I'll just throw names out there, like say, if one day Dubois and Yoka both become big talents, and then they fight those two fighters, and yep. then and then they're stopped, and whatever, that's when you go, wow, they really were good. This but is the fight for all of the belts. You still don't yeah. think that looking back, people will go,
1: ah, oh, yeah, but... No, so here's the issue. This is the fight for all of the belts. Joshua Wilder fighting each other, I'm not precious about, right? Them fighting for all four belts to be in one person's hand, that, that I'm like, yeah, make that happen. Yeah, if, I guess if, so, if, yeah. If for some reason a belt gets dropped out of that equation, I'm like, nah, I can wait again. Yeah, in the same way you said true, earlier yeah. about a final of the Cruiserweight World Boxing Super Series would sell out in London, and I fully agree with you, it would. It's because it's to make the undisputed. It's because it's the two yeah. best in their division right that's now true. coming together at the right time, and it's piqued an interest. In terms of boxer fighting, I,
0: I think i have more interest in watching Tyson Fury fly. <laughs> Going forward. when off. he's When he's... Sefer
1: Sefery, my friend. <laughs> Sefer Sefery. Uh, no, I agree. I, I hopefully we will have more interest in Tyson in 12 months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... Um, and that will just muddy the waters. Yeah, so now I just... I've lost interest in it. Don't get me wrong. If they said we're going to fight, if they come out tomorrow and said we're fighting, we're fighting in three months' time, then I will get hyped. And I will be interested. And that fight week will be awesome. And on fight day, I'll be hyped. But as of right now I genuinely don't really fucking care. Yeah, all right. It's okay. killed me.
0: Is there any, anything else you guys wish
1: to talk about? Uh, uh last night I don't know if anyone saw the Suleiman Sissoko fight. Nope. He beat Carlos Molina at 154. So that's the same Molina that Josh Taylor did. Oh, but he absolutely iced the guy. And so long. <laughs> and oh, he's, managed. he's managed to yeah. and, and and so so one of the issues is we've got guys like Anthony Fowler floating around and talking about they'll take on anyone. Excuse I'd quite like lithe to live
0: body out of a small <laughs> gap in the door. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'd love to see Sissoko versus Anthony Fowler. We're talking about guys fighting when they're at the same stage in their careers. let Sissoko and Fowler fight because that Sosoko lad looks like he can bang. So I really that was a, that was that was a decent undercard fight on the Yoka thing. I'm trying to think what else has happened. Ah, big shout out to Wayne Smith. So Wayne Smith's a coach at St. Mary's. We had the the Haringey Box Cup this weekend. Wayne's come away with three golds, three really tough medals to win. Um, Having obviously won in the double figures of those medals, I understand how hard they are to win. So congratulations to him. What he builds at St. Mary's is to be respected. Um, Like I said to him, I'm always surprised that kent doesn't have more professional boxers considering the number of really good amateurs they produce so congratulations to him and all the other guys that boxing in the harringay and won some people say it's not the tournament that it used to be and i understand that argument but for these young guys it's still a gold medal they take home uh, i'm trying to think what else then you guys are putting me on to onto rant mode and I've got like 20 minutes to get a train.
0: Which you're I mean. going to need every minute of from this location rather than the last location because we're not quite
1: as close, remember? Well, you know, I I wish you'd discuss your choice of accommodation with me next time. You yeah, know? I probably should. But actually, <laughs> the one thing I did want to touch on was, and I wasn't here for this, was like the the Haymaker card. And it. we all missed it. And the whole Sam Smith thing. Because I think, this is, you know, some some people have said to me, Oh, one of your tweets about the Sam Smith thing was a bit harsh And it wasn't meant to be harsh I guess what I was saying was We need to respect That Britain is not the be all and end all When it comes to women's boxing There are regions in this world Where women's boxing has been allowed to Flourish, develop and mature When we had dinosaurs like Frank Warren Saying they'd never televise it Frank Maloney saying they'd never televise it all the irony. <laughs> <laughs> so so when you when you look at New Zealand, for example, the Maori women there fight regularly, have done for years. You know, there are women there with impressive records. If you look at some of the more Germanic countries in Europe, they've fought for years there as well. So they're, they're really mature female markets, and Africa is one of them, as is Mexico. So when Steve made the fight with Anisha, I forget what her surname is, and Sam Smith for the Commonwealth title. It wasn't until the Friday when I looked at the record and I thought, oh, this is a bit sticky. And the reason I said that was when someone goes from losing five fights, then there's a gap, and then you knock out seven people in a row. One of two things is true. You either went to Sheffield, or all of a sudden, all of a sudden you learn how to box and you learn how to box the hard way, which is by basically getting your face punched in. And she's managed to get to 12 fights in the time that it takes most British fighters three or four years, especially females, to get to 12 fights. So I had no issue with the concept, but I think there was probably a belief that uh, she's from Malawi, how hard can it be to box in Malawi? And we found out that night that it might be a lot harder than we thought. And I felt for Sam because... Everything had gone well in camp. The people she had sparred, she she hadn't been hurt. She hadn't been put down. And she was getting quite good sparring. And all of a sudden, this lady showed up. Looked good on the scales. Really, really good on the scales. And just let that one punch go. And you could see, Sam hadn't been hit like that before. Just genuinely hadn't been hit like that before. And so, I saw the fight without seeing the result beforehand. So I saw it right at the end. And as soon as she got hit, I was like, they're going to stop this fight. Because there's a psychology that comes with being hit incredibly hard in 10 or 12 ounce gloves. I don't know what the women wear. And it was sad to watch that, but it's a reminder to people that boxing is about so much more than the punching. Your training camp is about a lot more than just the punching. It's being psychologically prepared for anything that could happen in that ring. And I guess the, the, the closing point is, and this is to most people involved in boxing, if you can be better, be better. If you can't be better, find someone who can make you better. Because we can only hope that Sam comes back and we can also hope that that young lady, Anisha, I forget her surname, finds a really good training camp and training environment to be, because I'd love to see her fulfill her potential. Because... If she can marry that power with sound boxing, now, thats a scary proposition. Um, and then shout out to George Fox who made his debut on that night as well. I know Don speaks really highly of him, so you know what of his son as a boxer, <laughs> <laughs> not necessarily as a son, but as a as a boxer. So no, no, that, that was good. And actually, being honest, I thought that was a good card. I know some people didn't. I thought that was a decent enough card. Considering you know the financial constraints, you imagine the Haymaker brand is under. I don't, don't imagine what you watch what more you could do apart from get Jonathan Palata on there. Apart from show Linus Yudofia live on TV, but I, I imagine he'll be on live next time. There might be some changes about that now. Yeah, so it's gone completely under the radar. I get an email from um, Richard Maynard, the uh, the I think he's consulting, doing some media stuff for Haymaker now. Yeah. On the Saturday, I think it was, um, after the Haymaker show. So they send around all the results. And they just put a line two-thirds of the way into this email. It just says, latest Haymaker ring star sign-in, Linus Eudophia. I've known about this for the best part of a month or so. And they've put it in as like a, a line. And they've still not actually announced it outside of that one press release. They've not put it on social media. Anything like that. I discussed it with Steve Goodwin on uh, the ring talk thing I did with him on Tuesday. So I'm not, there's no protocol being broken here. There's nothing like that. But it's still waiting on Haymaker Ringstar to actually make the formal wider announcement that Linus has signed with them. So Linus is someone that's very close to us as a podcast. Yeah. Um. Me as a person, I know Linus very well. Um, and it's fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. For his career, he's been picked up now. He's been taken from his debut by Steve on the small halls at York Hall, brought through. He's um, still not even at area title level yet, but there's something about him. He's got a special um, special talent. And it's great that Haymaker have invested in him, put him, you know, they've signed him to their, their brand. So he'll sit alongside Joe Joyce um, and the likes. It's disappointing they haven't made a bigger deal of it as yet. And maybe they will. Maybe they will in time. But it almost feels like... I know Fight Talk discussed it on their podcast last week. So, again, nobody's breaking protocol doing any of that. But it's sad that it hasn't been made a bigger deal of so far. And I hope for Linus's sake they do. I hope they make a bigger deal of it. Um, but congratulations to Linus. Like, fantastic news for him. that He's got that home now with a, a bigger promoter that can... You know, they've got a TV platform. So hopefully they start to put him on the TV show now. And they did show his fight on the TV one, well, only because that Joe Joyce opponent was fucking woeful. um and he just threw himself to the floor, which was embarrassing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, hopefully we start to see Linus on the TV portion live uh, henceforth. Just a uh, quick uh, mention uh, Sorry, I was just gonna say, and also well done to Eric McConzo for actually sorting himself out and showing up in shape. He he you know when you look at someone and you're like, I saw how you were in April and I see how you are now? And that's all you, mate. So, well done to Eric. Because he was missing, like, heavyweight, wasn't he? Like, did he miss cruiserweight? Who was he fighting? Um... He fought at 203 pounds. That was yeah. it. He fought the, uh, the Scottish lad, didn't he? The one that's now gone to Warren. Oh, no. So, he fought Willie Hutchinson at 188. was meant to be 175. Yeah. <sighs> and you're like, oh, fucking hell. But, but, look, it looks like Josh has got him. Josh Burnham. Yeah, Josh Burnham has got him in the groove. Um, and i've seen josh burnham's working with a young kid mason smith yep so i don't know what that means but you know if he does get mason that'll be really really interesting because mason's a rare talent and i mean a rare talent you know i know sam and craig got excited about martin mcdonough when he made his mtk debut i think mason's just a level above that so that's a reason to get excited a final one for my end. Sorry, Andy. I know you're looking to wrap up. I just wanted to quickly touch. I was up in Newcastle last weekend for the Lewis Ritson fight. Um, like, the back in Newcastle have given Lewis Ritson is absolutely spine-tingling. Like, being in that Metro Arena last Saturday night. Um, whatever the hell it was, they're chanting. I couldn't really understand it because they all speak fucking Geordie. Uh, black, white, tsunami. Oh, something weird, like that.
0: Yeah, man. Oh, man.
1: And and I oh not know, not one of them now. One of them's a scumbag now, isn't he? But um I don't know, is he a scumbag or is he a drug addict? I'm not sure. Uh drink oh, driver. Oh. Whatever. Um But yeah, Newcastle as a city have got behind Lewis Ritson. Like phenomenally. That exciting burst of talent, that burst of power that he comes out with. So he fucking took Paul Highland apart in one round to retain that British title, win it outright, fantastic. Uh, I can see Hearn milking the Metro Arena because that place... like I only booked my ticket last minute. I booked it on the Friday to go up there on the Saturday. And there were maybe like three seats I could have picked from at uh, the whole place um, where there were like two together. And uh, like it was just rampacked, fantastic atmosphere. Ritson brought it. He seems like a really down-to-earth, nice geezer. I can see Hearn maybe doing two, three more fights at the Metro Arena doing his copy-and-paste technique of you build a fighter so popular that you can't get tickets to his fights. And that's what he does. He'll do that so that you can't get tickets to a Lewis Ritson fight if you live in Newcastle. And so that makes him even more popular because people are like, wow, it's a must-have ticket. And then maybe 18 months' time doing the whole St. James's Park thing, I think, would be the expectation. Um quite whether you can achieve that I don't know like Lewis Ritson doesn't move his head so there's a danger that he's going to get chinned by someone but he's got phenomenal explosive power speed um, when he stands in the pocket I'm not sure you'd really want to stand and trade with him but someone who's a bit more of a refined boxer may cause him problems we'll find out but just to say like Newcastle were fucking brilliant as a city that night they were phenomenal
0: Okay. Uh, shout out to Riku Heikla, boxing fan, uh, UK boxing fan. Six. Jamie Ingleby, Daniel Smith. Uh, I'm trying to get through various names. others. Babs. Hey Moha Richie San, Gray as well for buying a ticket to the live John show. John Johnson. Richie
1: Gray. Top man. Richie Gray, Grayweather. Gray
0: weather. Danny Watley and Christian Allcorn. We've got two
1: tickets for the live show. Somebody oh. bought them but can't make it. Um, they just wanted to buy them to support us thank which... you for your questions is what I was going to say to you the guys but yeah sorry go on <laughs> he asked us to keep him anonymous so that's fine we should do that but thank you so much you know you are
0: yeah well sorry it wasn't that he it wasn't that he couldn't make it and he'd already had the tickets he couldn't make it and he bought the tickets
1: anyway right he, yeah he bought it because yeah. he wanted just to support what we're doing
0: no, I, I think... Yeah,
1: I, Which, you're right. It's, I want to... Um, it's important. It's not that he bought them Then went, oh, I can't make it. Yeah, exactly. It. He, yeah. he couldn't make it, but bought the tickets. And he wants to give them away. Um, yeah, so ask if we can find a way. So we'd already had another scenario like this. Again, somebody wanted to stay anonymous. Um, we're starting to sound like a Frank Warren show giving tickets away. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, we've now got two additional ones. So thank you so much, firstly, to the person that put their hand in their pocket to do that. That's just... Well, welcome to the new age reselling platform <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah we need to work He's out the best way is 200 quid age um, <laughs> pod hub <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyway go on ticketweb.co.uk and buy a ticket in the meantime whilst we work out how to give away too <laughs> um, <laughs> I should give it to a homeless guy just get a homeless guy in there Imagine, let's do it yeah he'd be there like I used to box you're like nah he didn't <laughs> and he'd be some some guy from the 80s who actually <laughs> used to box <laughs> but how horrendous 64 what if he left at the interval though it's that bad i'd rather be back outside (laughs) wellard's missing me (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: yes apologies we didn't get to your questions uh during the podcast but i will refer you back to my uh earlier disclaimer two hours and ten minutes wow um so, yeah, I guess this is time for us to wrap up. We've done the Any Other Business. I shouldn't be getting interrupted by Terry at any point to tell me about Mongolian middleweights that you need to talk about. No. So. Yeah,
1: but why is Michael Sprott still boxing? Just disgraceful. Shout out to Fight Talk, though, who are, uh, you know, Craig moving up to Scotland, hopefully keep their podcast together in some way because they do a top job. Hopefully Richie Gray maybe goes, because Richie had a really quality insight to that as a boxer. Um, Richie, Richie. So, if he could go and sit with Sam each week or they find a way to do it somehow, fingers crossed they do. That'd That'd Ted Hopefully Cheeseman.
0: Max, be, Max will stop his podcast.
1: Um, What's Ted Cheeseman doing, man? Like, like I, I swear to God, he looks like the guy from the Goonies, pal. What is no. it you tweeted fucking uh, Jake Wood the other day about? <laughs> Just let Phil shag cat or something. Leave the live shows to the expert. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> listen, those guys, they need to be getting ideas, mate. You know what I mean? Like, you know. You know, oh, we've got a famous guy in a boxer. Uh, fuck's sake. I'm going to turn up and heckle it. I'm going to 60 40 the life out of 60 it. 60 40. It. Yeah, I'll be like, DD, hey, you're a bit of a troll, mate. <laughs> 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 Let's and take be- our mate Craig. And before he can answer,
0: hit him with a 60 40. And he'll be like, oh, oh it's just too much heckling at once. And it'll just fall just apart. Turn it into
1: a Warren show. Just <laughs> kick off. <laughs>
0: Right, that is it. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for your ears. And yeah, I mean, sending questions next week, obviously. We will get around
1: to answering some of them. Yeah, sorry, that's really <laughs> my fault. Well, it's Terry's fault, to be honest. Like, he wasn't going to be here. And so when it it's just me like and Andy, we need, me. Some, uh, we need some content. But I am not here next week. So send your questions in. I'm going to send a load in. Craig's going to send a load in. Are we going to well, get heard, Cherry tapping on? you're tap- not going to be
0: here, I was going to say... <laughs> I hear that Cherry tap and done, I might be sending in some questions.
1: <laughs>
0: he always makes an appearance same as Martin Tierbolt. No?
1: Tartan Mirbould. Tart- the legendary.
0: Tartan Uh Right, I've had enough. That's, uh, thank you very much. Peace out. Speak to you later.